Hello, welcome to episode 108 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, which must make him Renfrey Deadman. How are you doing, Renfrey? I'm okay. How are you, Stephen? I'm all right. I've um, woken up to some pretty fucking horrible news, which mm. we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. Um, but before I do that, I'm going to get through what we're going to be doing on the show. We're going to be reviewing this week the latest albums from Puvris, or Paris to give them their proper name, Olver, Clip Drip, Brotherhood of the Lake and Narrowhead. Plus on Broken Records, um, we look at some actual fucking pedo music from Blood on the Dance Floor and their Bad Blood album. I'm going to warn you now, that is going to be quite a difficult and horrifying listen. Um I think that is well worth saying. Yeah, we like we uh, we've just been having um, like yeah we've just been having a massive talk about just what a horrible grotty little shitty thing it is to do that, and we've decided that we're going to do it. But fuck me, it's really quite horrible. So yes, uh, please be warned if uh, you do get to that section of the show. Yeah, it's not going to be nice. Um, I tell you, it's nice. So our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast is where you can go if you'd like to help us out with the monies. We have a couple of tiers. The $1.20 tier, as I've seen it now is, which is a quid <laughs> if you're from England. And the $6 tier, which is £5 if you're in England. Um, uh, the one twenty tier is for Rioters Reviews. All of your Rioters Reviews, a weekly look at an album suggested by all of the people who have signed up to our Patreon page, including this week one going up on the long-lost Swedish alternative metal band stroke hardcore band, uh, Mary Beats Jane and their mm. album Locust, which yeah. is a fucking brilliant record. What yeah. a great record. Absolute Been... rager. One that neither mm. of us was familiar with. I mean, you, you had heard of the band. I hadn't even heard of them. Um, and you actually tweeted a, a day or two ago, uh it's just fantastic when you get a, a lost 90s classic to talk yeah. about and yeah 100 i mean people should absolutely go and check out that record it is really really cool i ordered a copy of discogs very excited about it coming along uh but yeah great great record great suggestion look forward to the vinyl reissue of that if we big it up enough so go over and I sign really up so. at, at patreon.com forward slash right act podcast hopefully for the six pound six dollar tier which is a five pound tier um for our classic <laughs> albums you get a couple of classic albums every month uh do you want to tell us what it is in euros as well do you want to tell us what it is in i don't euros? know what it is in euros <laughs> i guess it would be um something like eight euros 30 probably. <laughs> i don't know do you want me to do it in drachma as well <laughs> um yeah uh, i think we, we can released... stick to pounds i think we can stick to pounds with that steve yeah. but, you know fair enough but um, i i admire it's... i admire your currency exchange uh intuition my currency exchange. that thanks it's just a massive guess i mean it could have been so wrong um <laughs> on our classic album this week we did a double queens of the stone age binge on yes rated r correct you yep. probably guessed that and that's yep. what it was but not songs of the death no we did queens no. of stone age self-titled debut album it was yeah. lovely stuff joined by mr adam valley from the audience please podcast who's yep. a bit of a queen age queen age, queen age. Queen, a He's queen a age stone age he is a queens a of queen the age. stone age super fan yeah. um yeah lovely stuff uh regular really listeners fi finally got it out yes i was gonna say regular listeners may well um be aware that we had some uh, teething problems with this one the, 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 actually the first part the self-titled part uh it was the second time we've recorded it um i think it ended up for the best because i actually think uh, we did a better job of it the second time around uh um, i agree cool uh but uh <laughs> yes uh there was talk of it going up like oh god six weeks ago something like that but we yeah. finally got around to doing it again so uh yes that should be up for your listening pleasure right bloody now 
so as i said there's a whole bunch of stuff over there on our patreon page now quite a lot of stuff really uh patreon.com forward slash right acts podcast i say it again um over on our, our merch store as well we said we might have a new t-shirt for you this week we don't unfortunately but we've still got a couple of bonjour thy artist bonjour t-shirts available on our merch store at riotactpodcast.com so if you want to go over there and rep for a cat who did i'm going to show Renfrey. look look at what she did to my hand the other day she bit my hand like Oh crikey! Okay, that is quite. That looks like more like a claw mark, but uh, it, that was a bite, was it? It was a sort of. Well, it's everything. She went mental at me. It's because ever since she's got the taste of mouse blood in her mm. veins now, and she's like ready to attack everything. So she's a right little shit the other day. But still, um, <laughs> buy a t-shirt with a genuine murderer <laughs> on the front of it, and you, yet uh, you you still love her more than anything I else do. in life. Yeah, I uh, do. and ever really have weird. loved. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Know, yeah. it, is it is re- weird. it's it's really fucking weird to be honest with you steve but that's fine you can She's love what you like face um all right uh this is um this is what i woke up to this morning and i'm sh- i'm genuinely shocked uh riley gale the front man of power trip uh has passed away at the age of 34 um a few people tweeted me and you actually sent me the link on the internet yes. in fact, you, you kind of broke the news to me this morning as i woke up renfrey but mm. um power trip have sent a tweet out saying dear power trip fans worldwide it is with great sadness we must announce that our lead singer and brother riley gale passed away last night riley was a friend a brother a son riley was both larger than like uh, a larger than life rock star and a humble and giving friend he touched so many lives through his lyrics and through his huge heart he treated everyone he met as a friend and he always took care of his friends we will celebrate Riley's life and never forget the great works of music, charity and love that he left behind. You, the fans, meant so much to him. Please know how special you are. If you have a memory of Riley, please share it, no matter how small, as we remember him. Signed, Riley's loving family. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a really, really big fan of Power Trip, as I think we've discussed a few times on the show. Um... Before I go into it, Renfrey, is there anything you'd like to say? I know you're not going to pretend well, like you're a huge fan of the band. You no, know, you weren't. But I feel like I should get my piece out of the way super quickly because um, you know you're far more suited to be talking about this. Um, I'm yes, as you say, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I was a massive fan of Power Trip. Um, anyone who's listened to the show on a regular basis will will know. Um, I, I didn't dislike them. I just it just never really was massively for me um but of course hearing this you know i'm not a fucking monster hearing this news there's no two ways about it it's a fucking tragedy um this is a man who was 34 years old he was clearly um very talented and very good at what he did i've never denied that we've also had conversations about it in the past where you've said to me uh you know, oh, yes, okay, you're not a big fan, but have you seen them live? And I've said, no, I've not had an opportunity to do that. But it's been one of those occasions where I've thought, well, when I go and see them live, that might actually be the push that I need to go, oh, actually, no, I do. I am really into this band. And um, whilst I'm certainly not trying to make it about me or anything like that, I am I was quite saddened that I'm now not going to get that opportunity um, due to these tra- really tragic circumstances. Um, it's never... <laughs> It's never a good. It's never a good thing when someone passes away, um, but certainly at this age, uh, it really is a tragedy. So, but yeah, I will move over to you now because I think you'll have a far more sterling and far more interesting things to say about about it. 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, to talk about Power Trip as a band and the assumption that we've lost that band um, might be, you know, it might be an assumption. I think whether Power Trip choose to continue or not, and I suppose it's too early to even really think about that at the moment, you're not going to get the same band because Riley was such a massive massive part of it um he was a very enigmatic front man as far as like, can you can, can you tell me a little bit about his sort yeah. of stage presence and stuff well he's they, they've got a thing i think power tripper but and, and you know like i i wouldn't claim as great as i think they are are they doing anything particularly new no they're not they're they're a, they're a kind of a bunch of hardcore kids who got into thrash metal and are are making thrash metal but i think the difference like i mean when we're talking about it before you mentioned the sort of new wave of thrash bands and i think Mm. the difference between people like um municipal waste or gamma bomb and power trip is that i think you can feel the energy of the sort of earliest incarnation of thrash metal far more in power trip and i think you can feel the kind of the punk rock spirit come through power trip and i and i feel like um i was just i'm so sorry i was just about to say i will say whilst whilst i'm not a massive fan of that revival as a whole i will say that i definitely thought they were one of the better ones of of Mm. those acts so yeah i will say that i mean i'll i'll say the best one to be perfectly honest i genuinely think they were the best one uh the best band since the glory years of thrash metal you know um this millennium <laughs> to be honest um which is now 20 years old you know they're to say you're the best band at doing something that's come out in the last 20 years is yeah. a pretty big um you know claim but i i genuinely feel that and i think you know they wrote songs that were just great metal songs that kind of they had the energy of the past um they had the energy of now but in the kind of dressing of the past i think in the kind of um everything that people loved about early death metal and the sort of glory years of thrash metal and crossover th- hardcore and crossover thrash from the past, but it wasn't done in a, a kind of cosplay way in, in the way that so many of the new bands do it. And they're the, one of the only bands or maybe even the only band I think, I mean, I was lucky enough to see them a fair bit, you know, over the years I saw them at Hellfest. I saw them at Bloodstock. I saw them at Download. I saw them supporting suicidal tendencies. I saw them supporting Napalm Death. I saw them supporting Trivium. And Crikey. I saw them headline. And I saw them headline the Underworld. So I saw them eight times. I saw you them did eight see times. Them, yeah, I didn't realize probably, you saw them that much. Yeah, probably within the space of about two years, I saw them. Wow! Eight times. Wow! And um, so hard work, like, hard working guys as well. Yeah, Good. Yeah, me. hard. Yeah. You know, from kind of going on second with napalm death and, and brugera and going on at like you know midday at hellfest on one of the little stages up to the main stage with download or you know opening for trivium at brixton academy or even their own head i mean you know their own headline show everyone was there for them at the underworld and it was you know it was fucking excellent but mm. they were a band live that every time i saw them particularly when they played the main stage at download or that trivium show where people who probably hadn't got excited about metal for a long time turned around and looked at each other and went what Mm. like oh my god here's a band who sound like the stuff that i like Mm. but they're young and they're fresh and they're here right now and riley would just walk out in tracksuit bottoms and an obituary t-shirt and a fucking scabby old baseball cap with his hair flying everywhere and a kind of unkempt moustache and he just looked like 
some little runt punk guy and then roar and scream and jump around and lose his shit and nobody from th- that kind of old guards the sort of people that would turn up to download who, in, in an anthrax t-shirt to watch metallica the sort of people who go and see trivium who only listen to slipknot and machine ed and, and haven't bothered checking out new bands you could see the audience visibly like their jaws open and you could see them go oh my god this sounds like a new fresh exciting version of that thing that i used to love as a kid and those bands those bands are fucking rare man they don't really exist and i think why you know one of the reasons that i feel so sad about this is that we've done a lot of eulogies this year from you know um Peter Green and Ennio Morricone and even to a slightly lesser extent Andy Gill as well you're going on and you're talking about people who have fulfilled potential who have lived a life that undeniably you would go they made the absolute most of what they had the reason why people were mourning them as legends is because they achieved all the things that they wanted to achieve and that they could could achieve it's much sadder when it's someone like Riley who I think had so much more potential to give, you know, so many more places to go, so many more things to say. And the fact that he's at 34, no longer here and not going to be able to say those things, I think is, is, is way sadder than talking about even someone as legendary as Ennio Ennio Morricone, the world without him, it's, yeah, it's it's not as rich a place, but we all know the circle, you know, that's the circle of life. Those people come and they go. And Riley wasn't meant to have gone yet. And he's got so many more things that he could have said and, and, and not, and people will go, are you really getting, you know, that upset about a guy who, you know, only released two full length albums with his band and, you know, they could only, they weren't that big. Like he, they, they had the potential to be something genuinely great and and so they're the sort of band that could bring old and new metalheads together everybody seemed to like them when they saw them live you could see like young kids who never got a chance to see metallica back in the day go oh my god this is what it must have been like and you could see the older guys who remember that going i've not seen a band who make me feel like this for years and that is so fucking rare and it's important um, as well we should stress out it is that is really really important and, and really, really there isn't important. an awful lot of it there isn't an awful lot of it and the other thing i wanted to say which i hope this doesn't feel too much like it's you know making it about me like you said you mm. don't want to make it about me but i mean about probably four or five months after i started writing for metal hammer and manifest Decimus, uh, decimation came out the first power trip album in 2013 uh it's actually the day i went to see bon jovi at high park i interviewed riley right. as a new so i was the first person to do power trip in metal hammer right and he was really and i remember hearing the album going this is a, a this is a really cool album like i wasn't absolutely mad on it i thought it was promising and good mm-hmm. um and you know and but he just seemed like a, a kind of whirling dervish of ideas and stuff and he was really really exciting uh, excited and excitable and interesting and you don't always get interviews like that and it was hammered home to me even more when i got to do the nightmare logic feature for when nightmare logic first came out in hammer and you know it's 1200 words that we got 
uh, to kind of play with about this album. And that's, for those of you who don't know how, that's basically like two pages. It's not a massive, massive piece. Yeah, maximum. Yeah, two pages with lots mm. of big pictures as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's probably, it, a pay, it's, it's probably a page of text maximum. Yeah, it's about a page of text. So, you know, usually you could probably do, you could probably speak to someone for 20 minutes, half an hour usually a beer about you could probably get away with it in 20 minutes but usually you need about half an hour to speak to someone to do a a feature of 1200 mm. words mm. and i was on the phone to riley for two hours mm. right mm. and a lot of it i mean at some point i said you know i've actually i've got enough now but he just stayed on the phone with me and he spoke in a way that so few metal musicians talk about a talk like you know in, in, in it's spoken in a way that so few metal musicians are able to speak with kind of intelligence and um and, and drive and hunger and real sort of and he, he chewed over every question he thought about every question he spoke to me about how he had gone to school um to a kind of creative writing classes to to kind of make sure that he could articulate the ideas in power trip properly he spoke about how he went on tour with napalm death and he looked at barney from napalm death and looked at the way that barney would eat well and wouldn't abuse his body and w would talk to the audience and he said i sat there and i'd, I'd look at barney and i have he, he was somebody who thought really deeply about people and about politics and about ideas and about culture and about society and he didn't just say it like so many musicians go yeah fuck the man because i'm in a metal band and that's what we're supposed to think he was he was well read and he was thoughtful and he seemed like he genuinely cared about people and there was some substance to what he was saying and he seemed there was very, definitely some substance and, and he the thing seemed is, very outspoken as well yeah and the 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 world at large does not want to believe that metal and hardcore and punk they don't want to believe that people who listen to that music and who play that music and who like that music they don't want to think that that we're like that mm. they don't want to think that mm. and to get someone to lose someone like riley who was all of that it's just shit it's just yeah. fucking shit and I, I only really um so we spoke on the phone a couple of times and i only met him one more time after that and he was kind of backstage after the brixton show with trivium and uh we had a little chat and stuff and you know i i, I would never claim to be like he was my friend or anything but he was a really kind of genuinely warm, nice guy. Yeah. And you could tell everybody loved him and his band were great. And I, it's, it's really sad. It's really, really sad. It's made me feel really sad. Mm. Um, mm. So there you go. Um, a huge condolences to his friends, his family, all, you know, mm. and all the fans. And um, yeah, um, it is undeniably an incredibly sad thing. Indeed. It's, um, as you mentioned, we've talked about a fair few people who have passed away this year, but we haven't talked about that many who were. I don't. I think. I think uh, Riley might be the youngest. I think thirty-four. Yeah, I think so. Um, that's younger than both of us, mm -hmm. <laughs> which brings it into stark reality. That's crazy. Um, it's awful, awful news. Uh, yeah, it's really so, bad. Yeah. I don't know how we transition from that to the next thing, to be honest, room free. No. I always find that really, really difficult. But particularly today, I find it really quite difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Uh, <laughs> how do you go back to, hey, podcast, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, but let's 
I guess, like that. Let's try. Give it a go. Yeah. Give it a go. Um, we should. I mean, we're going to do some reviews in a minute. Um, uh, you will have noticed if if you've been listening from the start. I don't know why you would choose to start listening now. So you probably have been listening from the start. <laughs> um, we we aren't reviewing Metallica's S and M two this week, although we very were delighted to be sent an advanced copy of it, which I had a couple of listens to because it is great. Um, Massive thank we, you to Q Prime for that. Yes, please. Yeah, it was very nice of you. And um, we're not going to review it because having both of us watched the film um, when it came out when it came out last year, um, yes. we've basically sort of reviewed it, haven't we? We've uh, cut, yeah, we, we, we've basically been through it. And um, if you don't know our views on this already, we have actually already covered this before. Steve did a uh, review of the cinema film. You went to the cinema to see it, didn't you? As far as I, I did, recall. yes. Um, yep. On our episode, uh, huge, Ack- huge Ackman. If you recall mm. that funny pun, I remember that oh, mm. episode sixty-three. It's around half an hour into it, so if you do want to hear what we think about it, and I actually re-listened to that review, and I can confirm that I pretty much agree with everything Steve said, um, mm. uh, you can check that out. I mean, very brief recap: it's the best thing Metallica have done for twenty years. It's fucking great. It's like S and M, but but different. A uh, bit more uh, interesting choices, bit more subversive, interesting choices, and yada yada yada. It's fantastic. You should check it out. It's out this week on bloody Blu-rays, DVDs. There's loads of box sets and shit, and it's it's awesome. Looks amazing. I mean, I think one of the things I said at the time were, I mean, for a start, anytime Metallica play the Outlaw Torn, yes, I am, I am in. I am in like Flynn. Uh, that is incredible. You, I, obviously, you said either you said or I said I can't remember, but one of us said outlaw torn is as good as master of puppets and and i and i stick by that i mean if i said it or you said it whatever whoever said it we stick by that like totally different songs totally different songs and totally different kind of styles of metallica's career but like i objectively think that both songs are as good as one another in their fields and the anastasia pulling teeth is amazing and just seeing them weaving in and out of the it being in the round i mean if you get to watch it it really is fucking brilliant i would recommend i would recommend the footage it's fucking great brilliantly filmed wayne isham i'm guessing i think it was wayne isham who did it uh he's done all the other metallica stuff um or most of it anyway but Mm. uh looks absolutely beautiful as you'd expect um yeah just a just a phenomenal i mean it's really nice when metallica do take a risk and pull it off and yeah. You know, we've discussed this. It doesn't always happen. In fact, these days it happens less often than it happens <laughs> in a good way. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, just really, I, I I remember seeing it in the uh, cinema last year. I'd uh, maybe sneaked a couple of drinks in. And uh, having... Hey, 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 hey. And I had a bloody lovely time. Oh, my God. I had a great time. It was brilliant. Yeah. So yeah. It, was ex- it was excellent. Um, I sat in the front row of the cinema watching it. And it blew my bum holes out. <laughs> Multiple. Well, I didn't say that. Plural. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, I was near the back because I sneaked a <laughs> and I didn't want to get caught. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, I had a bloody lovely time. It was fantastic. Well, there you go. The, the difference is me in the front row, Renfrey in the back row, the SWAT and the rule breaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but now I can now can I, I can enjoy it from the comfort of my own home with beers, mm. and I don't I don't have to sneak beers into my own home, thankfully. No, except Although when the missus is about. Uh, uh, Although someone <laughs> should keep an eye on your alcohol intake. Hey, frankly, hey, um, there we go. 
Let's do some reviews. Uh, let's start with Puvris. That is what it says they are called. <laughs> Fuck you, Puvris. Call, spell it properly. Um, no, they're called Paris, apparently, but I like to call them Puvris because that's were, what it says. Uh, just a teeny bit of defence for, for Paris, and it will be the only one uh, bit of defence. Um, spoiler. Uh, they were originally called Paris, uh, but they changed their name because there was already a band called Paris. I mean, I just change your name because Paris is a shit name. name. Yeah. It's a shit but, name. Yeah. Mm, okay, uh, so, is that is that directed at the band or the city? What a shit name! It's not a shit name for a city. It's a mm. Shit name for a band, though, isn't it? Paris. Mm. Mm. Double standard. Double standard, Steve. But that's Imagine fine. if you were called York. <laughs> Swindon. Oh, Swindon's not yeah. city, but fuck it. Yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah. to be like, why? <laughs> um, and a really obvious, a uh, really obvious city to pick as well. Mm. York's a much more kind of vague city anyway fuck it doesn't matter it's only a name who cares Puvris. that's true the album is called use me it's the third album from the future of rock copyright everyone who is clueless in 2015 um <laughs> they were they weren't they they were they were according according to not very intelligent people they were yeah yeah ah the another crime rock sound rock. yes the future of rock i remember being on team rock radio and along it came and I was, it just came on and I didn't really look at clock what we were playing. And I just straight away was like, why are we playing Cindy Lauper? <laughs> oh, it's Paris. Oh, it's some new band. Like, what? Why are we playing this? Like Lady Gaga B-side. I mean, both of those comparisons are not great, admittedly. But um, it's funny. I mean, I just, w- Wikipedia still calls them an American rock band from Lowell, Massachusetts. And, and it just... There was this period, wasn't there, that we had where um, bands who really were not rock were just being sold as rock. The like the Waterparks of the world and the We Are the In Crowds and the Mallory Knoxes and all that yeah. bullshit. You know, rubbish. Um, I think it's I think it's Avril Lavigne's fault. You know, I think that's right. where it stems from potentially. Or would you go back further than that? No, probably wouldn't go back. I mean, yeah, you could blame it at that. You could blame it at busted. Yeah. I'm happy to blame Linkin Park, always. You're always happy to blame Linkin Park, aren't you, Steve? I am um, always happy to blame Linkin Park because <laughs> most of the time I think it's it, Linkin Park's fault. <laughs> I think it was far more overt with Avril Lavigne and stuff like that. To be honest mm. with you, I don't have a massive um, issue with Avril Lavigne uh, musically. I actually think she's a pr- pretty good pop star person. It's just yeah, that whole too. it's just that whole thing of, you know, when you're sold a steak and then you open it up and it's a happy meal, you know? Like yeah. that's that that's it's like assuming people are stupid and assuming that you can push something onto someone and say, "Oh, well, this is what it is" when in reality it isn't. Having said all of that, oh, it looks like you're about to say something there. Well, no, I, I was just going to say, I mean, I never really understood I mean, one, I never really understood the love for them particularly. I think it was just because people were going... Oh, and I've never... Hold on, well, let me rephrase. I never understood the love. And I, but what I never really understood why they were considered the rock band in any way before. And I think they why I didn't tattoos. understand... The, well, I think why I didn't understand the love for it is because people were going, oh my God, this is such an exciting uh, like thing for rock music. Mm. I've never heard a rock band do, do like electro pop before. And it's like, well, yeah, because... They're an electro pop band. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why. I mean, and people go like, "Oh, well, they grew up listening to rock music." And it's like, "Yeah, I grew up listening to Madness." It doesn't make Stegger a ska band. <laughs> Do you know 
you know what I mean? I, I mean, you can't just whack a band into a genre for no discernible reason. I mean, I could turn around to you and go, oh my God, Renfrey, Brutal Truth are the most innovative and forward-thinking reggae band I have ever heard. And quite why they don't get the same love as Toots and the Maytals and Bob Dylan is mental. I have never heard a reggae band playing grindcore before. Well, why are they a reggae band? Well, because I've said they are. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah, yeah, And the only reason I can think why these people were so desperate to claim Puvris as a rock band is because rock music at that point was becoming so irrelevant uh, people oh. just desperately wanted to believe that there was something with some sort of commercial appeal and some sort of commercial potential within our scene. Yeah. And, the you know, basically you've got a pretty bog standard electro pop band with Lynn Gunn and Paris, who Lynn Gunn being, a, a, you know, a, a fairly interesting looking charismatic individual fronting oh, yeah 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 I, I think so yeah yeah i think i think, I think uh, that gun's an interesting charismatic person most definitely hmm. yeah yeah and th- so they do at least have that but i'd say that's kind of all they've got really going for well, them i think when you put them when you compare them to stuff like churches mm. then then it's like well you weren't gonna make it in that scene mm. so mm. you've I've had to come over here where your scene is really wacky and interesting I will say this. Um, so when Paris Puvis, uh, Chepstow um, came over uh, initially, and what was the first album? White Guilt? White Noise? White, not White Guilt. <laughs> Fucking hell. White Noise. <laughs> That's later. <laughs> when White Noise came out uh, in 2014, you know, you know me, totally ignored it just sort of looked at it and went that's not for me it's not made for me it's not designed for me there's not an awful lot of point in me listening to it at that point because you had the against the current album so you were like well i've got against the current i love them (laughs) don't need a worse version of them um however um i don't know a couple of years maybe a year later um uh, i was visiting the offices of their pr and um very you know one of the lovely things that sometimes happens in this job is um you'll visit the office of the pr and they've got loads and loads of cds um or vinyl or whatever that they can just sort of give out as gifts to to people like us twats like five, us five finger death punch vinyl yeah, yeah, yeah exactly that's why you own almost all of their records on vinyl just so stupid. <laughs> More Five Finger Death Punch albums than Fugazi albums. <laughs> uh, Keeping on brand there. Um, <laughs> and um, the their lovely PR, Hayley, um, at the time, I think it's a different PR now, but she gave me, she said, she actually said to me, she said, look, I don't think this is going to be your thing, but you might, you know, you might be curious to check it out. And I and I was like, oh, I'll, take, I'll take it and give, I'll give it a listen because I am curious as to why this band have been given the rock mantra for when from the very little that i'd heard it, it, it wasn't particularly rock and having a little bit of time away from it i put it on and I, I i was still completely and utterly bemused as to where the rock thing came from but i didn't think it was a, a bad record at all and i think you've heard white noise right before yeah back in the day i mean like i say it because when it came out it would have been yeah it would have been oh it's 2000 it's late 2014 and right. it started getting it started playing it on team rock and it was like we we're gonna start pushing this really hard and i was just like 
Why? Yeah, I, but but you know, if you take it for what it actually is, an electro pop record. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I think you know, I think people still went o ott on it. I don't think it was like the absolute classic that people were going on about. But there were definitely some good songs on it, and you know, I ended. You know, I still actually have that copy of White Noise, and I very occasionally put it on which you know really isn't me all that much um i mean we have covered a few artists of this type i mean the hayley williams thing springs to mind rena soyawama is another one that springs to mind Mm -hmm. um but uh yep hame's a good shout um but you know i i guess the reason that i put it in is because I was pleasantly surprised by White Noise. Whilst I still thought it was overrated, I think there's some pretty good tunes on there. And I do occasionally pop it on from time to time. Your quick assessment of White Noise? Well, I think, I mean, yeah, again, totally bemused by why it would be considered rock in any way. I mean, particularly when you're using like straight, just, just rock. Do you know what I mean? Like that, you know, like Credence Clearwater Revival and Paris. They're the same, aren't they? <laughs> no, no, they're not. Um, uh, it was, it was weird, but but and but I listened to it, and I sort of when I tried to listen to it and go, well, just listen to it as if you're listening to yeah any old thing. Um, I still thought it was pretty average. Okay, uh, I mean, it, it it would be like, I mean, do I like that stuff enough to need six out of ten versions of it? Not really, mm. you know. Um, yeah, not really. I mean, I think there are a lot of bands that I give good reviews to of in like the kind of entombed hardcore thing. And mm-hmm. I always say like, if you just do that, I'll like you. Mm-hmm. And this would probably be like, if you really, really loved kind of uh, electro pop in the in the church's kind of mold, mm. you would probably go, oh my God, I love them. I absolutely love them. Mm. But I don't love that stuff enough. To, interesting to think i ever need to listen to to paris ever i mean uncharacteristically it sounds like i liked it a little bit more than you did but you you said six out of ten there i think i probably would have given white noise a seven so you know mm-hmm. not not a lot more but um but yeah yeah um so I, I i guess that's why i popped this in uh because really having listened to this latest record the third record use me uh doesn't really have anything to do with what we tend to cover at all does it (laughs) and and we both sort of confessed to one another um that there was one point where both of us almost called each other i'm not explaining this very well over the phone we um had a conversation and it transpired that um at one point earlier this week i considered calling you and saying should we really cover this record and it turns out that you considered calling me uh Mm. and saying should we really cover this record as well so um i mean i'm sort of glad we have um because i think it is well is this record worth talking about no um but uh you know, but we have covered Hayley Williams. We have covered Rena Soyawama. You mentioned that we've covered Haim. We do occasionally go into this territory when we think there's something that's really interesting. Unfortunately, there isn't anything interesting about this record, is there? Which, to me, says everything about the kind of people who were pushing this stuff in the first place, yep. is that they didn't really know exactly what it was that they wanted or what they were looking for. Yep. Um, it really smacked of fuck, we need somebody who's going to sell loads of records because rock's on the decline, so we'll take this because 
<laughs> no one from the mainstream has claimed them yet and why would they because all the other bands that are like them are much better than them so we'll just relegate them to a rock band i find that quite insulting as a concept and it's insulting and desperate insulting and desperate yes i mean and, and that's sort of unfortunately it's not paris's fault because no you know no. is this album any good no it's not good it's 40 minutes long Dead Weight is the single, so and it's the pretty obvious single, I would say. It's got songs in it like, there's a song in it called Good To Be Alive, and it's the sort of song that when you first hear it, you think, oh, that's really good, that's really catchy. And then the second time you hear it, you think, what cringy, obvious, rubbish, shite this is. Mm-hmm. Like the first time you hear it, you think, it's all oh, that's pretty good. Second time you hear it, you think, this is dreadful. It's mm-hmm. got literally nothing that on the second listen. It just... It, its impact is like it's like a bubble it just as soon as it touches oxygen it it explodes it's it's crap i think there's a song called death of me is pretty good ditto hallucinations that's quite good as well and even though i've heard much better bands do much better versions of both those songs over the years i still think they're both all right and that is all i've got for this right okay uh yeah, I mean, I, I am not the expert on pop music, as uh, regular listeners will know. Um, I don't know if I go as far as to say that you're an expert on pop music, but you certainly know a lot more than I do. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, having said that, as I said in the past with this stuff, whilst I may not be an expert, I do know when I listen to something that is really good. Hence why I brought Rina Soyawama to the show, for example. You know, yeah. um, this is just flat uninspired and dull uh you mentioned there that it's 40 minutes it's 41 minutes pedantic um but crikey it's a long 41 minutes isn't it it's really long it's filled with cloying hooks and beats that sound completely unoriginal and dull um there are basically only two tempos on this record it's a fairly straightforward kind of mid-tempo bpm which is clearly designed for dancing too and not an awful lot else um and then there's a more kind of ballady sort of tempo which ushers in the more sort of saccharine sweet nonsense really that i'm not really into at all um Mm. it feels that for this record lynn gunn has been thrust to the forefront which i don't think is a bad idea at all because i actually think that she does have a star quality to her i think she's a really interesting voice and interesting i think she's got a great i do think she's got a great voice um i don't think sing yeah she's got she can sing i don't think she's got much personality in her voice really do you not? Mm. No, I, I, not I mean, really. I, I, I think she may well be the best thing going for this band. Which, which oh, I didn't say that. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. But she's been thrust to the forefront now in a very, in a far more kind of pop manner. It does kind of feel like to me that they are finally admitting that this is a pop band. I mean. At this point, it feels like the two other members of the band, Alex Babinski and Brian McDonald, might as well just be called Thing One and Thing Two to all intents and purposes, you know. Yeah. Not not because they're not doing anything at all. They, you know, certainly are doing things, but it just doesn't feel like a band anymore. It's a vehicle for Lynn Gunn. There's nothing uh, wrong. Do you know who produced this record? No, I don't actually. Someone called Lindsay Gunnelfson, aka Lynn Gunn. Oh, really? Oh, right. Okay, that's interesting. Um, So it's self-produced, essentially. Right, Um, okay. okay. And, you know, she's done an all right job on the production, but like you say, it is just like, here's some fucking dull as dishwater beige paint slopped in the background of quite a nice picture of this person. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Uh, The majority of the hooks on the record are 
you know, just the kind of pop hooks that you would find on a million other pop albums or sort of R&B albums. There's a bit of an R&B kind of tinge going on with this thing. I personally find them quite irritating and cloying, um, rather aggravating, uh, a lot of them. Um, I mean, I tend to prefer listening to the verses of this record rather than the choruses because because she's doing far less of that like what uh, uh, kind of bullshit which just drives me fucking insane those whoa 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 hooks you know the sort that i mean surely i know um i don't think it, i don't think this is bad per se i just think it's beige beiger than beige beige music for beige people and when when the likes of arena soil armor or a Haley williams is out there i just don't understand why the fuck you would listen to this or even and i don't really like the record but when you compare this to the poppy album which i don't even like yeah but at least it's got some sort of personality that's actually at least it's got a lot of you know and that I, i was like are we calling this a rock album i'm not really sure i mean actually under the genre on the wikipedia page of this album like not paris themselves but of this album it says genre electro pop synth pop dark pop pop and electro rock so they're not even yeah they're not even pretending anymore are they yeah so they've used rock to get big pull in a bunch of like alt fans mm. and they're like cheers for that guys see yeah. you later yeah. bye um yeah yeah not great. very cynical and you know um yeah I, I i mean i i don't you know we've not been massively kind to this but then at the same time there's nothing awful about it it's just very it's very very five five out of ten it's very it's the epitome of average 10 of these albums come out every week absolutely and we and we don't cover them yeah because they're by smaller pop artists who just exist in pop yeah but 10 albums that sound exactly like this and are as good as this come out every single week 52 weeks a year and have done for the past five years and those people who were saying the future of rock back in late 2014 early 2015 are fucking idiots and this is proof that they're idiots. Future of rock, they're not even the present of pop. Like, go away. Couldn't Sorry, Paris. It. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I mean, go away. Just, just stay out of our world. <laughs> just stay out of rock. Just stay out of rock. You know, you cynical. Well, they are. <laughs> well, they are now. Yeah, they are now. Yeah. But like. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't have to cover it anymore, do we? But uh, no. there we go. Yeah. No, no, no. Just, you know, in the same way as we don't have to cover the fucking, um, the next bloody, uh, oh my God, what's the name I was going to say? The one who judged American Idol. Oh, don't ask who me. The, fucking hell. Who had the, um, my God, her name has just completely escaped me. Anyway, I'll think about it later. Anyway, that's Use Me by Paris. Oh, it doesn't matter. Maybe cut that bit out. <laughs> 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 Unless I come up with the name later on uh, and then oh, bring it back. You're making this cut very complicated for me. <laughs> I know. I think the idea of it cutting, getting cut now is, is longer. It's longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not going to get cut. It's going to be too staying, complicated. Staying in for my humiliation. Um, what the fuck is that girl's name? Hold on. I will... Brandy... Um, Betamax. Brandy Betamax. Is that it? Uh, it might be. <laughs> I was thinking of, uh, as if she's not on the first fucking page. I can't believe it. She's not on it. What? Oh, <sighs> we're riveted. <laughs> riveted to the spot. Why can I not remember this girl's name? Do you want me to start the next review? 
Maybe. No, we're going <laughs> to... No, we're going <laughs> to... No, I don't like you doing the reviews. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna find. Oh, oh, this is exciting. I mean, please, please do forward to use the. Please do feel free to use the forward button on your uh, podcast device. I can't be bothered. Right, that's just gonna really annoy me forever now. (laughs) Forever. I've got the name Whitney Cummings in my head, and it's not Whitney Whitney Cummings. Cummings. (laughs) Whitney Whitney Cummings is a stand-up comedian, and it is not Whitney Cummings. But I keep going. Oh, what's the name? It's uh, Whitney Cummings. No, it's not Whitney. It's uh, Whitney Cummings. No, it's not Whitney Cummings. She's a comedian. It's, uh, it's Desiree Birch. Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato. Whoa! There it is. Demi, Demi Lovato. Lovato. There we go. Yes. I, say, I knew if I said Whitney Cummings enough, I would. Demi Lovato would appear. There's a little um, applause for you, Steve. Well yeah. done. So we won't be covering Paris and we won't be covering the next Demi Lovato. Oh, well, thank you for old. keeping us all captivated with your wonderful podcasting skills, Steve. <laughs> Demi Lovato's got a couple of bangers as well, to be fair. Does she? Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll take She's your She's better than Pavaris. Anyway, Ulva, let's move on. Flowers of Evil uh, is where we're going next. It's the 12th studio album from the Norwegian Electronic Trio. Now, Renfrey, much Hello. to my sort of sh- chagrin, I have never listened to Ulva. Silly boy. Never listened to them. Silly boy. Uh, even though I've always been intrigued, mm. I just never got round to it. Um, I'm assuming that they don't sound like this, so usually... Let's do a little history lesson. Um, Olva started out as a black metal band um, and are one of those, one of many, um, let's not just say black metal bands, but one of many bands who started in the extreme metal realm and then gradually broadened out into um, different pastures. Um, One might argue more interesting pastures. It depends. Depends on the band, to be totally honest. Although often it is the case. Let's give a few examples. Opeth, Anathema, Solstafir, Ishan, Alcest, etc, etc. That sort of thing. Burzum. My God, you actually made me feel a little bit sick in my throat. Um, I think of all those kind of bands, I think Olver are one of the ones who have made one of the largest leaps, I would say, uh, from black metal to synth pop. I would mm. say. Um, can't fault their ambition. I mean, fair play. Um, I think that Olver have been doing this 80s inspired electro synth thing for a while. Um, but I'm going to confess, whilst I obviously know a little bit more about Olver than you, I don't know loads of their stuff either. I just have little smatterings of their stuff. I've heard Perdition City, which is a very interesting record indeed. Um, I also was at Roadburn Festival. I want to say a couple of years ago, and they were performing in the main room of the Zero Thirteen, their last studio album, I think released in 2017, called The Assassination of Julius Caesar. Now, mm. I didn't see the whole of their set, but I was intrigued. Um, and the reason I didn't see the whole of their set is because they were playing at the same time as, I want to say Emma Ruth Rundle, I think, but someone else who I really, really wanted to see. Go on, Demi you're going to say something. <laughs> Yes, yes. Demi Lovato is in the other room, uh, and I'm a, a massive closet fan, uh, but I'm just too embarrassed to admit it publicly. So um, yeah, so Demi Lovato was playing, and um, uh, but I but but there was a sort of ten minute window where I could watch a bit of Olver, and they were playing you know next door to each other in the way that Roadburn set up, and I was like, oh, I'll check out a little bit of Olver, and I went in expecting like ooh, like black metal blast beats because this is what i thought Olver were and this really stunning shimmering 80s electronic pop 
synth pop thing came out, which was more Duran Duran than it was, uh, I don't know, Emperor or whatever. And uh, I was really intrigued. I mean, I, I, I kind of wanted to stay because I thought it was really, the 10 minutes I saw was really, really engaging and really interesting. And it did make me go, I must check out that assassination of uh, Julius Caesar record, which was a record which got a lot of high praise and a lot of people were very, very interested in it. Yada, yada, yada. have to confess, I never got round to it. Bloody hell. And then this album came out and I was like, oh shit, I should listen to that record. Um, but anyway... I wanted to cover this because I know whilst I'm not a big fan, uh, whilst I'm not a big expert, let's say, I wouldn't say I'm not a big fan, but I'm not a big expert in the 80s electronic synthy stuff. I gave this a listen and I thought, hmm, I think Stephen Hill is really going to like this a lot. Was I correct or was I not? You were absolutely correct, Renfrey. You were that's, absolutely correct. That's the click um, of brilliance from me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I, in I, fact I thought you would love this to be totally I thought you'd be bumming the shit out of this. <laughs> Excuse well, my chance, expression. Give, give me a chance to do that. <laughs> uh, it's been going on about fucking Roadburn and not giving me the chance well, to Roadburn's actually great. bum it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> if you thought I was gonna bum it, you are you're cock blocking me from bumming it. <laughs> I am cock blocking you right now. All right. Well, yeah. I'll step aside. I, I mean I I, I thought Olver were um, I knew they came from black metal. Yes. I knew they'd kind of ditched black metal as yes. well. I thought they ditched it in for some sort of ambient sun inspired thing. That's what I thought. Uh, maybe they have earlier in their career. I mean, I have to be honest. They've been, they're one of those bands who, uh, like I say, are a name that I've gone. Oh yeah. I hear they're, you know, they've, I mean, they played Royal Festival Hall yeah. a few years ago, didn't they? might even be about 10 years ago now, but I remember them playing it. I remember people going, oh, it's so weird to see a band who was challenging and weird as over to be playing a venue like that. So I didn't really think that we were going to get um, not just a sort of electro post sort of, new, a, a sort of gothy new wavy album, but like a really fucking poppy one as well. I mean, it's mad, isn't it? 1984 appears to be the sound of 2020. Mm. It's crazy. Mm. Very much so. Something yeah. I tweeted the other day. I mean, you got the, and the thing about this as well is that, um, like I say, this is a much more classic goth and electro pop inspired album than the stuff that we've, that we've reviewed recently, like the dystopian angst, of I like trains or the sort of soul searching bleakness of the JJ album. Mm. Um, I mean, the first song in, uh, I was kind of, I expected Olver to kind of out, out bleak and out darkness and out dystopian those artists, but not on all. one last dance straight away. I was like, fucking hell, this is, this sort of pales in comparison in the level of extremity to, those other artists that we've spoken about before it is um, really poppy i mean it's the second pop record of the, the week that we're doing in a way it, it's just a really good one yeah yeah i mean the second song russian doll with that she was born in 1989 that is fucking great mm. and it's pure it's very specifically which is good for what i've been listening to recently very music for the masses era depeche mode 
I was going to ask I think you. Is the fucking bullseye Depeche Mode for me is like the bullseye Depeche Mode time. I, I was going to ask you this. This is this is reminiscent of Depeche Mode, isn't it? This is a Depeche Mode yeah. type thing. Um, Definitely. I know they are totally different, but am I am I off saying Duran Duran? Because the only reason why I do bring that up as well is the really, really, really poppy elements of it. Or or, or am I just going way off with that? Duran uh, Duran are, are very bright. There's nothing very gothy about it. I mean, Duran Duran have got a couple of... I think The Chauffeur is always the song that people point to for Duran Duran for where it's a bit like darker mm. or wild boys if it's a bit more you know which i you know i don't really think it is um so i don't really see it in duran duran okay to be perfectly okay. honest i would say i mean depeche mode is probably is that the, bang the bull on? yeah is that the bull yeah. the bullseye but then there's you know there's there's other stuff like i mean i would say sisters of mercy Mm, and yeah. even kind of a more electrode version of the cult in parts yeah, as well. Yeah, totally. Um, like early, early the cult. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's stuff like Machine Guns uh, and Peacock Feathers, which is great, which starts like full-blown Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hour of the Wolf, loads of Depeche Mode-isms again. Mm-hmm. Um, Ulva means wolf in Norwegian. Yeah. Just, just a throw the the wolf pack aren't they mm-hmm. and then you got like I, I love synthesized bass i don't know if i've ever seen this said this before but synth, synthesized bass parts mm. are my fucking favorite and there's a bit on nostalgia um with this amazing synthesized bass bit which is fucking awesome um mm. and it, you know and i there was a part of me i mean actually like my first couple of listens i was like oh i like the slower ones the best I like the kind of um, fields of the Nephilim, mm. g- really sort of gothy, darker ones. And I'm not as keen on when it goes like sort of club pop, like goth club pop, you know, mm-hmm. like. But actually, um, there's a song on it called Little Boy, talking yes. about golden golden eagles with this massive sort of dance beat. And it's like that San Junipero um, uh, episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. Like, it's, yes yeah <laughs> it's wicked i think um, little boy might be my favorite song on the record i really really like there's a horn section that's kind of ushered in towards the end of that song um and it, it comes in against this really dark throbbing electronic beat uh it's really really cool does fade out with some bagpipes though which uh, as we discovered last week you are not a fan of at all uh did you get on with the bagpipes this time well around? It, fa- it, it fades them out so that's True. why i was like yeah, yeah i'll yeah. forgive you and also <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it is i mean it's clearly bagpipes but it's not like um when you're unashamedly bagpipes that's when i don't like it <laughs> it's when you sort of like hide the fact that they're bagpipes and go is that bag- it is bagpipe then I, i'm a bit more on board with it and i think they yeah. kind of they don't they're not it's not they're not rubbing their bagpipes in my face <laughs> annoyingly um i'm actually working on a follow-up to i tell my guitar the things i used to tell you uh called i tell my bagpipes the thing i used to things i used to tell you (laughs) (laughs) and i'm 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 really upset that you said that Uh, fair enough well it's just a bagpipe remix my renfrey's bagpipes tell me the things that i don't want to hear about (laughs) renfrey The, the new album from Stegel coming in 2021. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a collab. There's a collab thing going on there. I'm sure <laughs> we can probably do guest vocals from Stegel. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is. Um, I think it's the most exciting sound of the year. This sound. I am not joking when I say that 1984 is the sound of 2020. I think with, you know, with Bambara and with Jay Jail and with I Like Trains and we're going to get a new Idols album. Um, that great new song for that the one really really good song on the 1975 album. Even spoiler alert, the new Napalm Death album. Um, it's pretty mad that and 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 now this it's pretty mad that you know this has been like so hugely uh brought back as a style and i think it kind of has been coming for a few years now we've also got the uniform albums out quite soon as well Mm -hmm. so there's kind of more of this stuff coming along Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's quite mad that it's uh it's becoming a thing again and i have to say rimfrey two years back had this little movement of stuff started happening um as a, as a man who didn't care that much for the lost boys soundtrack i'm yeah. going to flip reverse this because this feels like a sort of you know a two-yard tapping for over for me really because i've just i like all of this stuff but you were very very cynical about this sort of thing back in the day oh. feels like you've um You've definitely thawed out to the old 80s. I've un- I've undoubtedly thawed um, on this stuff. I certainly don't like it in the same way that you do. And I, I don't think I'm ever going to take this album to my heart in the same way that you do. Um, you know, I think if I listened to the Lost Boys soundtrack, I'd still probably struggle with it a little bit. Um, but I certainly, I listened to this. I guess it's another case of like listening to something and objectively going, well, I know this is objectively clearly very good, you know, Um I, I will I go back to this? I yeah, I probably, I probably will go back to it. I'm not sure when I'll get round to it, but I probably will go back to it. And I want to listen to the assassination of Julius Caesar as well because I don't know if it was just seeing it like I remember being more impressed with the ten minutes that I saw of them live. I mean, that's not, you know, it's a massive difference between seeing someone live and seeing the, um, see, uh, listening to an album on record. But, um, the assassination of Julius Caesar was really, really well critically acclaimed. And I've not really looked at many other reviews for this yet, but, um, I would be, I, it was so well critically acclaimed that I'd be really surprised if they managed to hit the same level of critical appraisal with this album as well which isn't which isn't a diss on this record it's just people really loved that assassination of julius caesar record uh they played it in full at roadburn so i did hear the first 10 minutes and i was just like yeah this is this is clearly something that's very good that i normally don't go for and i would say the same of this as well um i did want to share just the first uh, few paragraphs of the press release uh, just because it's one of the weirdest I have ever read. Did you bother reading the press release, Steve? I didn't know. Oh, goodness me. Okay. Um, I just want to know your thoughts and feelings on this. Um, in the midst of the forest, the floor is littered with monstrous heads and mythical figures, frozen in torturous combat or threatened by wild beasts. A dragon fights a dog and a wolf. A lion sinks its teeth into the fire-breathing monster's chest. This sacred grove near Bommaso in Lazio, Italy, reveals the nightmare vision of Fosino Orsini, a 16th century nobleman. It's a forest of symbols, suggesting a civilization overrun by the beasts, demons and monsters of the primordial world. Soon after Orsini's death, trees began to close in on these many peculiar beings and green moss would eventually seize them. Slowly, nature finished what he had started. 
Flowers of Evil, the new studio album from Ulva, finds the wolf pack exploring the fear and wonder of mankind's fall from redemption. Visions similar to those of Orsini come to mind as untamed life abounds. They spread, twist and turn in the killing fields. The threads of haunted places and images entwine. Have Ulva discovered new pastures under the sun? Or soured the ruins of their own moonlit past? The truth is, they're closer to their previous purlows than perhaps ever before. What the fuck is that all about? <laughs> what the fuck the is that? The fans of Depeche Mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God flesh. I mean, have so many words ever told a music journalist so little about a record itself? Like, yeah. what the That's fuck? fine. It's I mean, fine. It's fine. I was just like, what are you fucking on about? I don't know. I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference one way or the other. But um, for this particular record, I felt like I needed some press notes because I felt like I needed just a little gentle nudging in the right place. And I did not get it at all. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the fuck that's about. But it's interesting, isn't it? Um, there was one song that you didn't mention, which I wanted to mention. I, I like A Thousand Cuts. Uh, that's the very last song on the record with its lyrics of sex and death by a thousand cuts mm-hmm. describing a typical Friday night for acclaimed music journalist with a stonk on Renfrew Deadman. Uh, and, um, yeah, I think this is a great, I think this is a good record, you know, um, I, it, it isn't, yeah, I think, and I think I will go back to it. I, I re I really, it has made me want to go further into the over back catalog for sure. And I'm really curious to know how they went from black metal to this was it a um gradual transition was it a sudden transition i kind of hope it was the former because i'd love to hear the gradual transition of black metal to this 80 yeah. synth pop thing i'm not sure if it was unfortunately but um yeah very very curious to hear it and you know 12th record it's cool to hear something as uh, interesting and exciting as this even if it isn't particularly innovative but it's certainly good it's really, really good. I mean, I don't want to call it post-punk. I think that's a bit off. Um, no. Kind of goth, goth pop in it. But I mean, if you are kind of a new convert to this sort of stuff, because I've had a few people when I tweet that go, no, I wasn't really sure about that JJL album. And, or, you know, I listen to I Like Trains and it's, I don't usually listen to that sort of thing. Um, I think you could ease yourself in with this one. I mean, I never thought I'd be going, yeah, Olver, or the, you know, the. But obviously I, I called it completely wrong because I feel like this is probably the most instant, sounding what i was saying last week about there having no commercial potential in a band like i like trains mm-hmm. which i stand by mm-hmm. this actually has got a bit of i could imagine this getting played on radio six and actually they Definitely. played dig in by um i like trains on radio six last week fantastic during the, during the day fantastic well there you go there you go yeah um so I, that's brilliant. I, I don't like this as much as that i like trains record i mean yeah i don't i don't hmm. I don't think they're they're. I understand where you're coming hugely from. comparable. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I understand where you're coming from with the comparisons, but yeah, I don't think they are. And 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 JJL is is an, is another hop, skip, and a jump away from it. I think, but mm-hmm. I understand the through line that you're making. But they are actually three very different records. But yes, in terms of like maybe uh, uh, in between, a in yeah, layman in in between introductory, you know. Um, there's nothing in, on this record that's going to put people off unless they I mean, really put hate it. This, put, put it this way, right? If, if you were saying to me, I really want to sort of tune my ear to darker sounding, more synthesized sounding, but quite, um, but still quite alternative sounding stuff. Like, and really I want to get to Daughters. 
that's where I want to mm. get to. Mm. You could go, well, do Olver first yeah. and then do I Like Trains and then do Jade Jail and then do Daughters and then you're there. That's Stephen and they're Hill's all guide. Four of them are, Stephen all Hill's four guide of them to getting are, into weird-ass music. <laughs> yeah, and they're all really different. But I think yeah, they they've, all got enough, they've all got enough in common where you would go, like, to get this... And then go, okay, right, I feel like this is this is that. And then you get the kind of more disjointed dystopian version of that on I Like Trains. Mm-hmm. And then you get, like I say, the really kind of introverted, quiet, bleaker version of that on JGL. Mm-hmm. And then you get the sort of nightmarish version of everything <laughs> on Daughters. You've kind of, certainly emotionally, you've gone, you've made the correct steps to get into that position, I think. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a very astute point. Absolutely. Thanks. Um, um, there you go. <laughs> Flowers of Evil by Olver is out now. It's really good. Um, okay, let's do our next album. It comes from Clip Drip. The album is called Without the Eyes. It's the debut album from the Brighton-based trio who are electro-punk noise. Is that right? I think that's is that what we're a, saying. I think that's a relatively good descriptor. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I knew about this band, but probably from you, really. Remember, you talking about them? Yes. So um, I, I went we'll to let see, you fill in the blanks. I went to see them live. Uh, I'd sort of heard about Clip Trip, you know, the, one of these bands kind of like on the fringes of the arc tangent scene and so on and so forth. They're actually signed to Small Pond, um, who's uh, the label of Vlad and Dave from In Technicolor, who we've had on the show before. Uh, we've had Annie from Clip Trip on the show before. She was one of the guests um, in the uh, quiz that we did over Christmas. Uh, not American, she's Canadian. Um, which she seems at pains to point out for some reason. Um, I've had... You would. Well, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> Says the man with the American girlfriend. I <laughs> have had my BDI on Clit Drip for a good... <laughs> that's a weird sentence. Uh, the band Clit Drip for a good year or so after seeing them at the Bad Pond Festival last year where they blew my tiny fucking mind. Um, I was trying to find a way to sum up this record and this band, what Clip Drip do. Uh, and I was struggling, if I'm totally honest, because it's a hell of an amalgam of all sorts of very interesting, weird and wonderful stuff. But then I saw the press release describe them thusly, and I thought it was a pretty damn good. Uh, drawing influence from musically diverse acts ranging from The Prodigy, Horror and Death Grips to Meshuggah, with a splash of peaches thrown in for the mix for good measure. That's quite I can exciting. That. You can better that. Oh, go on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 8-bit, yeah, 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 meets Bikini Kill. Oh, not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. Um, I also think a very vitally important piece of the puzzle and an important um, uh, comparison point for me that has come up again and again and again and again is Rage Against the Machine. Um... The reason I think that uh, is twofold, really. A, it's the searing politic of this record. Um, for my money, the the thing, the lyrics, the things that it talks about, and the manner in which Annie talks about these uh, these subjects. I mean, Annie, Annie's a fucking star, as far as I'm concerned. She's so, when we talk about individual voices and unique kind of um, presences uh, in music, 
what's stunning about this band is not only do they have a very unique front person at the, at the front of it uh, doing things in a way which feels absolutely resu- resolutely her and no one else, um, but musically they feel like a really unique, interesting proposition as well. Um, amazingly, this is a three-piece. One of those three pieces that sounds like, you know, there could be four, five, six musicians in it at at certain points not all the time but at certain points um it's just a drummer annie as a vocalist and a guitarist scott and scott scott reynolds is his name is a fucking guitar hero in my eyes in precisely the way that tom morello is a guitar hero um it's not that he's using guitar histrionics or anything like that but he is you know that thing that tom morello says about he's the dj of the band yeah I mean, the manner that Scott twists the guitar into so many different ways and different forms and different manners, the way that he loops things. When I saw them live, the pedal board that like the pedal board that is being used is like the size of like a grand table or something. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible, and the noise that is made just through guitar is pretty extraordinary you know um and i think this is it's it's a it's a record that i've been really excited to talk about for ages i mean uh i've actually had this record since christmas because it was originally due to be released in march i think but it's just been Mm. you know put back because of the whole covid19 stuff um and i have been this is one of the records we get we have to listen to an awful lot of stuff um and getting an opportunity to continue listening to the records that we love uh, is really, really tricky. But Clip Trip, this album is a record which has been with me for the last nine, ten months. And um, I, because I just absolutely adore it, I think it is completely individual and unique and interesting. And when we, the whole point of me wanting to set up this show was to give bands like this a platform and to go this is the kind of music that i want to wholeheartedly recommend for every single reason really because of the rhetoric that they're um, putting out there because their music is really individualistic and interesting and far more interesting than 99 percent of the beige boring shit that is out there um and i just think they're fucking wonderful this band you stayed very quiet i'm starting to get a little bit worried why is that? Uh, d- just d- letting you talk. Oh yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> well, you... I haven't interrupted you. Thought I was <laughs> yeah. dead. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, that is a very good point. That's how this works, isn't it? I talk, then you talk, then mm. I talk. Then, yeah, yeah. Mm. Need to remember that sometimes. Uh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's good. All uh, right. Okay. <laughs> I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's mental as fuck. Yeah. Um, it is occasionally tiptoes into wacky territory. Oh. Where I go. Uh, Maybe not so, like, there are occasions, I mean, that's why I nearly went, whoa, 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 when you mentioned Rage Against the Machine, because I think Rage Against the Machine are never kind of, and I think there are points where this is a bit like, whoa, we're kind of crazy, we're, we're wacky, guys. And I, 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 I actually don't agree with that. I'm going to, I think this is as acerbic, and I think this is, I, I will fucking stick by that. I think this is as powerful as that first Rage record is. In, in its message and, and what it's saying. Mm, 
I mean, I can't agree with that at all. But I think there are. I think the the things that it says is great. I think you're right. But Annie is brilliant. Yeah, she's fucking brilliant, and her vocal delivery is is manic. Yeah. Um, it feels like it. I mean, Radiance Machine are very serious. Mm-hmm. Are continually very very serious. This is fairly humorous in parts. You know, like there's there's talking about I don't want to look like Jennifer Aniston in 2002 on the you know the first one's called I don't want to go to the gym. I mean, I can't get on board with that. I'm afraid as a as an idea because <laughs> I haven't been since fucking March and I'm a big flobby fat get right now and I'm dying to go back to the gym. But the point of the song, you know, talking about the unrealistic expectations of women to look and act and behave and be a certain way, I think is cool. Um, but again, it's, uh, it's it's used in a sort of sarcastic Joe Talbot idols way, isn't it? It's, mm, I, I mean, I mean, yeah. I I, but I wouldn't consider I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't compare idols to Radiance Machine either. No, I think they do have. There's no humor in Radiance Machine. I think, like you know, I mean, I'm all I'm saying is I think the message is as strong and and as powerfully put. I'm not I'm not saying that without the eyes is as good a record as Rage Against the Machine is, but in terms of getting a message across. I think it is. I think Annie Dorrit does it as well as Zach de la Roca. And I will, I will yeah, stick maybe. by that. Yeah. I will st- that yeah, that's maybe. what I'm saying. I'm mm. not going, you know, um, Zoom 20 is as good a song as Bullet in the Head. Um, although no, actually... I wasn't, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't saying that either. Um, no. yeah, yeah. I was, all I was saying was that I think they, the messages are... I think Joe from Idols is a much better, is a far better comparison than mm-hmm. Zach De La Rocha, who's very, you know, with the exception of what? I mean, I want to be Jackie Onassis. I want to wear a pair of dark sunglasses. That's the only time Rage's Machine get a little bit kind of tongue-in-cheek in their entire career, mm-hmm. where there's lots of stuff on this, which is done in, um, yeah, in a kind of OTT, uh, you know, in a in a wild way. Whereas Rage feels yeah. like very fo- it's focused, isn't it? Everything about Rage's Machine is very taut and focused. And this feels like a an explosion of a record. I would definitely Isn't agree. It? I would definitely agree with tongue in cheek. I, I'm, I, I, I blanched a little bit at wacky. I, I don't think this does go into wacky. I mean, I suppose if you, if you do think this is wacky, then that's, that's up to you. And, but I, I don't, you know, we've been quite disparaging of wacky in the past and this doesn't, yeah, we go, have. Anywhere, doesn't go anywhere yeah. near it for me. Um, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe like I, there, there are times I'm like, I suppose maybe not wacky, but there are times where, it's a lot to take in. Do you know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's quite a, it's quite a lot of like, what the fuck is going on here? Mm, mm. And, uh, and I mean, it feels... that's what's so exciting about it for me. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think it, that is exciting stuff. Like you know, like there's a song called like Father, which mm. is absolutely all over the place. Mm. Like it yeah. sort of sounds like a kind of Death from Above, 1979, with a more manic vocal delivery, just falling to pieces. Death from um, Above's a really good shout, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, and there's there's um, speak to my is really really good as well. Again, yeah. the vocal delivery on it is 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 full of it's it's. I guess it's the kind of it's the kind of vocal ticks that Mike Patton does, and that's why I will say like because occasionally Mike Patton in Mr Bungle you could go it's kind of wacky or pr- like I love Mr Bungle, I love Primus. Mm. They're both kind of wacky at, at mm. points yeah, because yeah, yeah. the vocal delivery has these ticks, and Annie has these ticks almost yeah, in her yeah. vocal delivery that I think some people will really, really struggle with. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you Possibly. know what I mean? I think people will be like, "What the fuck?" Because but, it's not delivered. But some, but, but some people really yeah. struggle with Mike Patton. 
So, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a bad thing. But Speak to My has these massive sways of just random electronic crushing noise just mm. coming in all over the place. And it's all done with fucking, the guitar. <laughs> and yeah, and it's fucking mental. I mean, they nicked that bass bit to uh, No Place to Hide by Korn on the start of <laughs> I Always Liked Your Mother Better. That like, yeah. dink, dink, yeah, yeah, dink, yeah, dink. Yeah. That, and I'm like, fucking hell, that's, that's No Place to Hide by Korn. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'd um, also say, as someone who's seen this band live as well, I mean, I've moaned a lot in the past about um, uh, bands using track and stuff like that. I mean, the thing that really stunned me with this record uh, and, and seeing them live as well I don't think they're using any track at all. It's just, it's, it's one, it's one person making all of the quote unquote music on this album, all the stuff that isn't sung or drums. And they're just doing it with the absolutely gigantic pedal board and a guitar and, um, you know, looping bits and bits and all that kind of thing. And in one sense, it's very, very technical, but in another sense, it's really not. It's never, it's always in service of the song. Always, always, mm. always, always. And it really is something, people say that, you know, no one's doing anything new anymore. This sounds pretty, a clip drip sound pretty different to me. I am, yeah, I am really impressed with how unique this sounds. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. very I rare. It's very rare that we can honestly use that word unique. But this is pretty unique, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is really genuinely like I don't, I couldn't quite recall hearing a band who sound just like this before. Do you know what I thought when I was listening to it? Mm. This is what people wish the Nova Twins were. Oh my god, yes. Actually, I have to say, I mean, I, I, I didn't love that Nova Twins record either, but this compared, I mean, this makes a fucking mockery of Nova Twins. Drip, yeah. makes a like, fucking uh, mockery of them yeah it's like all the stuff you hear if you read all the stuff that people going on about how great the nova twins are and then you heard this yeah you'd go oh yeah i can kind of understand that that's a great Whereas, shout actually yeah you know and and will this get the push that they've got doubtful isn't it pretty well, doubtful the they're on a small label but this uh, is exactly a difficult time you know this is exactly what i mean by when i say this is the stuff that makes me most excited about what we do on this show. Um, you know, because I think for, for the most part, it is going to be mainly blogs and, and uh, people like us doing this kind of thing. But it, it's vitally, I like, I, I, I really genuinely, I mean, I hate telling people what to do, even though obviously I tell people what to listen to or what not to listen to every week. Um, but I really, really want every single person listening to this to it just at least give this a go. Like, put Where the Boys Are on, for example, which is a fucking masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. You know, I want to be where the Sounds boys like are. early Nine Inch Nails as well. It's got yeah. that kind of early Nine Inch Nails um feel to it i think yeah 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 i want to be where the boys are don't i deserve it i want to be where the boys are i fucking earned it and the way that annie spits these songs it's it sounds more angry than someone screaming in your face you know she doesn't really resort to screaming at any point she uses her voice in really irregular weird ass ways and um there are some people who are going to hear this and go oh it's a bit too weird for me and that's fine but i really do want everyone to listen to it because i certainly want i mean anyone who goes oh everything's been done in music before i certainly want those stupid cunts to listen to it because i don't think this has not in this way 
Mm. Seesaw. Yeah, very... I mean, seesaw on the seashells, but you know, like that kind of rhyme thing that she does with it. It's like a nursery rhyme mixed with the dirtiest fucking Radiohead mixomatosis style bassline you've ever heard. You know, and like the manner in which it's done, it's just fucking masterful. I I I, I think this is absolutely fucking fantastic. One of the best new bands in the world today. Hmm. Wow. I think it's really good. I'm a bit like, I, it's exhausting to listen to. Like, Do you think to so? To be honest. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't know if it's because I've had it. I, I don't like, know if wow. it's, wow. I don't know if it's because I've had it for nine months. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's kind of the difference. Cause I've been, I've been listening to this for months and, and I will say that I've just, it's just got better and better and better and better and better as, as the mm. months have gone by. It, it, it reminds me of something like the locust as well, like slowed down. Um, yeah. Because I mean, again, a band who are exhausting to listen to like 12 tracks of it after a while, I was like, I, I think were they to be able to add in something with a little bit more, I mean, I, who knows if they give a shit about commercial potential but i think if they were to do any to, to be able to find a way to really slow stuff down and there's not a lot of quiet moments on this um on this record mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of moments that aren't just stupefyingly intense mm. and i mean you know i'm about to talk about brotherhood of the lake at the minute and they're <laughs> a band who've never done anything which isn't just a hundred million miles an hour intense but i think because it's such a you know i my I, I am used to the sound of death metal or whatever. And yeah. that now almost I can sit through an hour of that and it doesn't feel jarring or, but this is, this is something different because it almost feels like an extreme album to me. Mm. It almost feels like an, like I would look at if someone said, Oh, you know, you should hear the new fucking, um, give me a death metal band, Renfrey, just a random death metal band who mm. are supposed to be the heaviest thing in the world. Nile, I don't know. Nile? Not, yeah, get, oh, you hear the new Nile, it's so heavy. I would go, this is heavier than that. Yeah. Oh, this yeah, is heavier. much more extreme. Way heavier. And, and much more. And although it's great, I feel fucking knackered by the end of it. Mm. And that's not a, you know, it's not a bad thing, but I, I just think like, I would love it if, if they do this again, but whack something in the middle, which is like some kind of slow. It could be a, just a slow, a real slow, dirgy, melodic thing to break everything up. I think that'll make them the, just those dynamics would just feel so much more crushing. And it will also mean that you could probably sit through it in one sitting and not feel like you've just done, you know, 10 rounds with Mike Tyson, which is what I feel like at the end of listening to this record. It's like, Oh man, that just hits you constantly. Bang, bang, but it just continues to hit you. And that's really, you know, this isn't even a, an, this isn't a, a criticism really, because I think that's what it's trying to do. Yeah. It's just, it's fucking knackering. It's weird because I, in, I, I do understand what you're saying, but if anything, I feel invigorated at the end of it. I feel like I want to fucking right all the wrongs in the world. So I feel actually like, the total opposite in a way. Mm. I mean, I really like the first Phantomers album, but I am just completely, I just want to go and watch them up at Christmas Carol after <laughs> listen to it because it's just like, my God, it just throws so much shit at you and it's changing all the time and it's yeah. there and suddenly it's like loud and then it's screaming and then, and you just don't know what the fuck's going to happen. And this album is so full of twists and turns and surprises and loud moments and louder moments yeah. and yeah. punch, 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 punch all the time that by the end I was just like, whoa. 
Yeah, fair oh. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but that doesn't I, make it bad. I mean, no, it's exciting. No, yeah, yeah. It's exciting yeah. to be in the middle of it. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, it's actually harder to listen to than to listen to, you know, the last, um, to listen to like Death Atlas by Catwood Decapitation, which is just blast, 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 blast in that way for 45 minutes. Whereas this, you're getting punched in the, from all over the place. I think it's it's really great. I just felt fucking knackered by the end of it. That yeah, really- I, I can understand that. Uh, I mean, but then at the same time, um, you know, uh, exciting new music that is really interesting and diverse and different uh, is... Um, does feel knackering to listen to i mean mm. you know i think i think there are levels of innovation on this record that are on a par with code orange i think it is that innovative and yeah i mean even th- i mean th- uh, code orange is a great show actually because mm. it's taken code orange like three four albums to get to the point where they can craft the album so that it feels like something that at the end you go oh that was that took me to some places yep. but it let, gave me a breather as well and this is their debut this album. is their debut album that's that's yeah. in a way that's why i'm even more excited by them i think it i think it's fucking great and um i would also say i i, I think you raised a really good point there though actually and whilst this is actually sort of going beyond a review a tiny little bit um whilst i do think that this is a brilliant debut statement from a band i do agree that going forward and I don't think they are going to do this, but it is very important for Clip Drip, in my opinion, to not do Without the Eyes Part 2. And I do think it's very important for them to open up their sound. And I would like to hear them doing more melodic stuff and maybe giving people a bit of a break in the middle or just or whatever. I certainly don't want to dictate what that is, but I think it does in order for them to have um, long term success and not just be this amazing explosion straight away. I do think that it has to open itself up a little bit more. But as a debut 43 minute, 25 second statement, I think this is about as perfect as you're going to get, really. Yeah, it's very, very good. And you're right. I mean, I just think like, again, when it comes to the second album, can you do this again? Can you take this even further? Yeah. Probably not. Probably you want to go somewhere else. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see where they go. And it's certainly one of the most surprising records and the most, um, and it's one of the most surprising idea filled energetic records that we've covered. I'd say this year. Yep. In in two years, there are so many fucking ideas. It might even in be it for decades. That, it's, 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 mm. it's really like, I mean, as I said, I've had it nine months and I'm still hearing new stuff in it. It's 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 so good. It's really and it really has grown. I do understand what you're saying about it being exhausting, because actually, if I if I think back to when I first heard this record around Christmas time. Actually, I think you're right. I probably did find it quite exhausting at that point. But now I'm nine months, nine months down the line and I kept going back to it every so often. I'm just like, this is fucking outrageously good. And I want this to be the future of music. Maybe it will be. Uh, that's Without the Eyes by Clit Drip. It is out right now. And um, we're going to move on to our last full-length record of the week, which comes from Narrowhead, um, the second album by the Texan Shoegaze Trio. The follow-up to 2016 Satisfaction is called Twelve House, Twelfth House Rock. Um, Renfrey, uh, I kind of pointed this in your direction because mm. I don't believe you'd heard of it. You'd heard of Narrowhead before? Nope, not at all. I have to confess, I hadn't either. And I was given this for Metal Hammer magazine to review. 
and I did one of my um, <laughs> the good old this album's really good, but you won't like it thing because <laughs> yes, you did. I read it they, the other day <laughs> because they they probably won't. To be fair, the people that read Metal Hammer, this is you know as I said, it's a shoegaze album, and for the most part, this is is it just a shoegaze album? I'm gonna put you I, up right there. It's a fairly heavy indie album. It's a pretty heavy stonery indie album, I think. I think it's a rock album. Yeah, fair enough. I certainly well, don't. But, think I mean, that, that ain't good enough for that ain't good enough for um, for Metal Hammer fans either, is it? Really, to be fair. Well, it depends, doesn't it? I mean, I wonder. I wonder if you're just kind of looking at the people who comment on the Metal Hammer page and go, "Well, that's all of them," when in reality, it's actually a very tiny vocal minority. Um, no, that's what I am doing, yes. <laughs> um, and actually, I think there's plenty of people who would buy um, Metal Hammer who probably would like this. Uh, they probably just have better things to do than comment on things when uh, journalists disagree with them. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think I mean this record to me is like a summation of some of my favorite music from the 90s um in mm -hmm. in in the same way that Ulva is owes a massive debt to 1984 uh i feel like this album owes a massive debt to 1990 to 19 i don't know 96 97 maybe um there's shoegaze vibe there's alt rock vibes there's smashing pumpkins vibes there's pixies vibes there's sonic youth vibes um this is a bit of me i fucking great, it? love it i fucking mm. love it i, I mean love you, 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 you failed to mention i think there is a bit in the middle um where it's got hard to swallow which sounds like helmet mm -hmm. um, yeah 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 totally. and 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 uh crankcase as well is another heavy one um i do think there's a lot of ride and slow dive and my bloody valentine i'm okay with that i think well, that shit is really good you've got kind of early Caius guitar sounds on mm -hmm. the song Trist. Um, Night Trist. You've got... What? Do you, uh, do you mean Trist? Oh, well, hold on. Sorry. Well, that is what the song is called, I believe. Night Trist. Yes, you're right. Sorry. What did I say? Just Trist. You just Night said Trist. Trist. Night mm. Trist is pure Siamese dream era, especially Pumpkins vibe to me, which is a very, very, very good thing. But like for me... If that song was on Siamese Dream, it wouldn't stick out at all. Which, considering how much I love Siamese Dream, is a very, very complimentary thing to say indeed. I mean, if that was a a missing Siamese Dream era B-side from Smashing Pumpkins, A, I'd question, why was this a B-side? But B, just, yes, yeah, so much Smashing Pumpkins vibes on that song. I fucking, mm. prob probably my favourite song on the record, basically. That's it. I really like Delano Door. I like Delano is, um, Door. Yeah, yeah, which has got this fucking wicked bass, and it's got the sort of the threat of becoming a Melvin song. Yeah, on it yeah, as well. It's yeah. really, really fucking cool. Um, Very dark Sonic Youth kind of song type yeah. of kind of thing vibes. I, I actually think the second half of the record is. I mean, I think the first half of the record is really good. Mm -hmm. Really good. I think the second half of the rec of this record is fucking brilliant. Agreed particularly i mean you know the way they end with uh bulma which is you know a great little it's under three minutes long and then they close the record with a, a song called um evangeline dream which mm. is like a sort of grunge version of champagne supernova yes great shout yes yeah 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 it, it's wicked it's wicked and it reminded me of 
I mean, you've mentioned a whole bunch of stuff there that I think are, are, are good shouts. Sonic Youth, Pixies, yep. are, like early REM. Yeah, um, I, I think there's say that, but I think there's a lot of hum, a lot of swerve driver, that kind of thing. That's the sort of shoegazy element. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I kind of, I only slightly took against your description at the beginning because I think just to call them a shoegaze band does them a disservice. Mm. Such as on the songs, the helmet-like songs that you were talking about, like Crankcase yeah. and Hard to Swallow. I think what I really like about this album like you know there's nothing innovative on this record at all like to be totally honest there, there isn't a, no. like we were just talking about clip drip which i think is probably one of the most innovative, most certainly one of the most innovative records of the uh year if not the decade um there's nothing innovative about narrowhead in the slightest the eight, the eight months of the decade yes Oh shit! Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, okay, all right, of the two thousands, whatever. Um, but uh, there's nothing innovative about Narrowhead. It's just a fucking great record, especially if you like that kind of thing. And I am a mark for that kind of thing. And and it does recall loads of different things from a specific era. But I think those different thing, those things are quite different from one another. I mean, Helmet do sound very different to Swerve Driver, for example. Yeah, you know? of course. Um, and I think they mix up this album really, really well. There's songs on it, you know, there's a, the, the the sort of title track, it's just called 12th House, um, but it's only, you know, 90 seconds, a minute and a half, and you've got Hard to Swallow and Crankcase, which have that helmet slash quicksandy, punky, riffy vibe. But then you have those songs uh like i don't know yeah D- delano door or something like that which are a far more kind of darker shoegazy heavy vibe um which are much much longer i mean delano door is six and a half minutes that last song that you mentioned uh evangeline dream eight minutes 49 seconds and they kind of um mix things up in a really nice way while still staying within the same realm i, I that, that that does sound contradictory i know but do you, you're nodding along, so you understand what I'm saying. I do understand what you're saying. I think mm. that ultimately, at, at this point in um, at this point in time, trying to kind of compartmentalize the difference between some sort of '90s alt rock alt rock bands to a lot of people won't make it won't make much sense to even why you would do that i think you could take failure and you could take the jesus and mary chain and they'll probably assume that they're sort of the same thing yeah and i think what's cool about a band like narrowhead is that i mean we could sit here as like people who remember the time and go well actually ride and smashing pumpkins or you know teenage fan club and sonic youth have nothing in common at all actually they had on reflection 25 years down the line 28 years down the line whatever they've got a lot in common they've got a hell of a lot in common um and i I think you look at a band like narrowhead and they appear to be born from just going yeah all those bands are great i mean i used to i think i've said it a load of times before and i was a kid and we bought kerrang i didn't know that white zombie and rancid weren't the same type of music i just listened to music with guitars in that i liked and i think what's brilliant about this is that it just feels like they've gone do you remember all those really wicked bands in the 90s Mm. which ones are all of them Mm. fuck Mm. it let's just Mm. do all of them yeah and and it's and it's you know it's it's great like i mean yeah i know i kind of refer to them as a shoegaze band and i suppose in the main, you, I mean, you could 
sort of that flangey guitar effect is used by the Smashing Pumpkins and it's used by mm. Sonic Youth and it's mm. used by bands who aren't necessarily thought of as shoegaze bands particularly. Mm. So it still sort of fits, but yeah, as an alternative rock album from the golden era of like a sort of celebration of the golden era of alternative rock and metal, this is a fucking brilliant, brilliant version of all of the bands that you and I grew up absolutely loving yeah yeah i i absolutely adore it and i think the quality is really really high as well um there are there are quite a few bands doing this kind of thing at the moment uh let's think i'm thinking bands like nothing uh turnover slow crush to agree to do a degree cloakroom maybe uh of love uh, maybe a little bit of drug church as well um that last hum record i think is quite reminiscent of this maybe even holy fawn they were there at the time though weren't they well hum were yeah that's true uh maybe even holy fawn i don't think this is quite of the standard of holy fawn um, i think if you chuck in holy fawn in then you could probably even chuck in someone like sugar horse in yeah 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 because yeah, they yeah, use yeah, yeah. a hell of a lot of these elements they just really really heavy yeah and they covered you too didn't they they did yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) um but no i fucking love this i think it's really good it's 53 minutes as well and i remember sort of loading it up and being like oh great and another album that's too long i actually don't think it is i don't think it is too long um because because it does mix things up really 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 well um and uh i will definitely be checking out their first album as a result of this um i think this is a really really high quality um Mm. you gave it seven in hammer did you only give it seven in hammer because you just do not trust the readership and you think (laughs) or or because this is way more than a seven this is an eight i mean i don't know if it's because i'm a mark for it but i was like high eight low nine (laughs) i love it i probably would give it an eight i mean not to spoil things too much but i gave a very prominent new album by a very big band eight mm. my mark i think i've said this recently like recent very very recently um i think i've said quite recently that i've uh ever since i mean numbers mean fuck all really i know they? i know i know um and but i think i've had to sort of reevaluate what i give eights and nines to in the aftermath of giving code orange 10 okay fair enough and i did think that um I can't imagine many people who read Metal Hammer feeling that that was this would be worth an eight. I just, which I know is might you might think is a kind of lame excuse to give it a seven, but you know I gave it a seven. What are you going to do about it? I'm, I'm going to complain. I, I'm going to yeah, send complain. a letter. I'm going to send a letter to Merlin Alderslade. I'm going to complain. I, I think it's yeah. I mean, I would be happy to like this. Like for me, probably I would think it would be an eight, yeah. Mm-hmm. In reality, yeah. But mate, I mean, you know, alongside the new Avatar album, it's got to be a seven, <laughs> isn't it? Ah! Uh, take a <laughs> <sighs> mm, oh dear. Twelve uh, House Rock by Narrowhead is out right now. Um, we're going to end our review section uh, with a surprise release. From Brotherhood of the Lake, Segregation is the English Way, a one-off EP with all proceeds going to various anti-fascism charities across the UK from the Devon-based black and hardcore band who were fairly prominent during the early part of the 2010s. Um, This is their first release since their excellent 2013 album, Desperation is the English Way, Volume 2. Renfrey, I love and continue to love brotherhood of the lake i think they're fucking great and they were one of 
the most um, underrated bands of the British scene in the last sort of decade, in for my opinion. What were your thoughts on them? This is the first time I listened to them. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Um, when they were around initially between 2006 and 2013, Bandcamp reliably informs me. Um, I I mean, it says here they're UK-based blackened crust metalcore misanthropes. Uh, misanthropists. Misanthropists, there we go. <laughs> um, and uh, I... I mean, you have to bear in mind that the certainly the blackened element, I mean, Sunbather is the record that got me into that sort of blackened sound, which came out 2012. So they were kind of just on the crux of me not being interested in that sort of thing. Metalcore would have put me off immediately. Crust, there's an awful lot of crust that does absolutely fuck all for me. Um, so... Yeah, when they, I'm, I'm aware of the name. I'm aware of who they are. I know about them, but because of that, they were just one of those. Because of you know what they were and who they were at that point, and that stuff not particularly interesting me at that time. I just never bothered to check them out. Um, I'm certainly more interested in the blackened elements these days, and there are definitely some crust. I'd say crust influence things that I've been uh, into, like crust as a subgenre generally does absolutely fuck all for me. Metalcore can suck a dick. Um, but yes, uh, certainly at that time, I just would not have been interested in checking this out in the slightest. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, let me reliably inform you, listener, that Brotherhood of the Lake were fucking brilliant. Um, uh, they are still pretty fucking great as they come back now, um, they're much more... This is 12 minutes, uh, a four-track, 12-minute-long EP. The first song, Dirt, comes out the gates, like, grinding away, um, a full-blown black metal-style blast of a song. And it's kind of like they've never been away for the first couple of minutes. I was like, oh, mm. this is fucking awesome. Um it's slightly less um uh dynamic than they than their previous album, but it just glad, feels like I'm glad you said that. Twelve minutes of just getting repeatedly kicked in the face with a still toe capped boot. Um if you liked them back in the day, I think you'll really, really enjoy this. It's absolutely if this is your first time hearing them and you think this is good you really, really must go back to Desperation is the English Way, Volume 1 and 2, both of which I think are fucking superb records. Superb, brilliant, you know, blackened, crust-inspired, metallic hardcore that is so dank and miserable. Um, this is this is very good, this EP, in the same way as that, um, that Burnt by the Sun EP that I always go on about, which is just like come along four songs kick the living shit out of me and then go i think this is really good they are capable of like of more interesting stuff than this if i'm being perfectly honest but it's it's just it's great i i'm really glad they're back i love um rob's voice i think he's fucking he's got a just a horrible sounding voice um and yeah this is this is really good 
and it's for a good cause as well. Good. Cannot argue with the good cause at all. Um, love the fact that segregation is the English way and the uh, the nod to their last record, Desperation, is the English way. Very clever. Um, and, you know, just very, very briefly, just to read from the Bandcamp entry, Nobody is born racist. It's time to educate the world so that nobody dies racist. We are all one. We will all burn. All proceeds from the sales of this EP will go to anti-racism charities in the UK. Cannot fault any of that. Fair fucking play. Um, I find this. I found this eye-rolling the first time I listened to it because there's no dynamics to it whatsoever. Um, and I'm very, very pleased to hear that you that they aren't always like this. Um, because I kind of, <laughs> this is only 12 minutes long and it didn't keep my interest for 12 minutes. Um, I think the more I listened to it, the more I was like, okay, I can see more in it. I don't like, uh, did you say the vocalist's name's Rob? Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a hell of a scream on him and I'll, I'll give him that like a hell of a kind of guttural roar, but I found it really cloying after 12 minutes which isn't very um good and uh i think that the song craft and the songwriting just isn't all that interesting really um i think that this is a classic example of one of those bands who have created this amazing noisy guitar tone but kind of forgot to write decent songs um but i did wonder to myself is that just because they've come back and wanted to do an album which is just punch 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 grind 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 kill 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 the whole way you know through for 12 minutes and if i went back to their previous records would i get a bit more perspective and a bit more of an idea of what this band are actually about and realize that there is way 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 more to them than that but having said that as just just listening to this ep on its own I think when you've got a record like this and it's only 12 minutes long and you still and you still get a little tired of it, uh, you know, and not tired in a clip drip way of like, oh, my God, this is exhausting. Just tired in a just bored now. Um, I think I don't think that's a particularly good indication, but because of everything that you said and because uh, you're a man of exquisite taste the majority of the time, I think, Stephen Hill, I'm mm. going to go back to Desperation is the English Way, Volume 1 and 2, and give those a listen. And I might come crawling back uh, in a couple of weeks' time and go, ah, now that I have that perspective on this band, maybe I got that one wrong. But um, I, d yeah, I found this to be a lot of pretty flat, uninspired. I mean, I think it's Endlessly. It's either Failure or Endlessly. I can't remember which song it is. But it has a very dull, boring, beat-downy bit, which just makes me want to fucking destroy <laughs> music. Like, it's just like, really? You're doing this again? Um, and I just, yeah, I just found it a bit one John Lennon one didn't invent beat-downs just so people could endlessly do them, did he? Yeah. <laughs> I just found it one one paste is one paste is harsh. One note, let's say. I just I just found it. I just found it like yeah, it's a nice noise. Yeah, it makes me do stink face a little bit, but like really when when you know when code orange exists, for example, really um I didn't I, I mean burnt by the sun I think is a really interesting comparison point because I think burnt by the sun is way more uh diverse and interesting than this. Well, fuck me. They are the most people, to be fair. I mean, Burnt by the yeah. Sun, are, I, I, my, I'm just saying that a 12-minute EP where they go, like, let's just do 
I mean, you know, yes, this is this is as blasty and as fast and as kind of continually hate-filled as I think they've ever sounded. Is it the best thing they've ever done? I don't think it is. I think you're right. Um, right. But in terms of like to take the level of intensity and to do it without stopping, I mean, if you're going to do that, please only do it for 12 minutes. I thought this was really good. Re- like, I, I mean, I really like them as a mm. band. I thought they were brilliant. They were so fucking good live back in the day. I remember seeing them opening for Gallows. It was um, Gallows Feed the Rhino and Brotherhood of the Lake. And Brotherhood of the Lake were probably the most intense band of the night. Mm. Um, uh, and they were really, really fucking good. And um, But then, yes, you know, this is 2012 when probably pre... Um, that kind of thing becoming i think they were kind of a bit ahead of their time with the whole sort of blasting crust blackened hardcore thing they because may well have been there was, yeah. there was you know there was trap them and they were all pigs must die and there were a few bands but it hadn't reached the point where you know hardcore was taking from that particular strand as much as it went on to do throughout the mm-hmm. rest of the decade. So yeah. that it, it might be that I'm misremembering that, you know, that you would go back to it and go, well, actually a lot of people have sort of moved on and this genre is more interesting now. I didn't necessarily feel that when I listened to this, I'm not saying it's the best thing yeah. that oh, I've, yeah. ever, I've, I've ever heard them do, but as an, as a blunt instrument of a, as, as, as an EP, as a blunt instrument for destruction, uh i enjoyed this i thought it was really good i mean yeah i can't i mean yeah i can't honestly say it's the best thing they've done but i'm hoping if they are back and i hope they are back because they are really fucking good if they're back um i hope we get to hear more of i hope they kind of continue to progress and to actually make i I would love to hear an album i would love to hear a follow-up to desperation is the english way um because i think they were sort of cruelly ignored by a lot of people back in the day mm. they're a fucking great band and this is a good this is a good ep i'm i'm cu- i'm curious to hear more but um i mean you know i think when bands like vane or candy or see space cowboy exist i just don't know i i know this isn't entirely the same thing but i just find this a lot less interesting then that kind of stuff. Um, I'd say Leached, and I don't think any of those leached. bands sound like. So I'd say something well, like Leached. Leached and is leached, way more yeah, interesting leached. than this band. Uh, that band Concrete, I think, way more interesting than Brotherhood of the Lake. You know, mm, um, Rusty. I think the, Leached are definitely Rusty. The drummer is in another band called Helpless, who are way more interesting than this band. I just, yeah, I just based based on this and on this alone, I don't get it yet. But. Um, I am going to go back to Desperation is the English Way, Volume 1 and 2, and listen to them both. And I hope to be uh, to have my mind changed. And I do appreciate that those albums are probably more diverse and have a lot more to them. And I do appreciate that I'm somewhat dismissing this for being what it is, which is a short, sharp bludgeon mm. to the face. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, is when it's only 12 minutes long and it bored me, that's a big problem. 
That is a problem. I can understand that being a problem. Yeah, so. I mean, I don't feel like that, but fair enough. Uh, anyway, there you go. They're back, Brotherhood of the Lake. If you're a fan from the, from before, let, let's hope they're back. Back. Uh, Segregation is the English way. Is out now. Um, oh God. We're going to end the show with broken records. We've not really been looking forward to this, uh, have we, Renfrey? Because this no. is this is. I mean, we joke about how this is a sort of a horrible. Um, feature and usually it's a horrible feature because you have to watch silly music videos or listen to egomaniacal idiots and bad ideas but sometimes um shit is really broken away from the record and that's what we're gonna have to kind of dissect today we're talking about blood on the dance floor their album bad blood it was released on the 3rd of september 2013 it's their sixth studio album they were an electro pop crunk core band um, led by a gentleman called davy vanity you may remember these guys um if you don't they formed in orlando florida in 2006 initially started as a joke band by all accounts not really much has changed there to be honest their wikipedia page i have to be honest with you is a little bit of a mess and i really can't be looking absolute mess and i can't be looking into reddit and other dark web forums to find out about how they really progressed so what i will say is um they were banned in 2006 they self-released a load of stuff crunk core was happening they got bigger um, I paid no attention to this fucking pile of wank genre as I discussed last week. And then my first sort of, um, uh, when I first came to contact with Blood on the Dance Floor was on the old Metal Hammer podcast. I believe it was Gil, which would have been kind of early 2011, uh, sorry, late 2011, early 2012, kind of brought them up um, saying, you've got to hear this because they look like Cradle of Filth, but they sound like Justin Bieber. And that was the moment that I first became aware of Blood on the Dance Floor. There was a little bit of hype surrounding them at this point. Quite a fair bit of hype, actually, in fact. I mean, it's a you know, disturbing amount of hype. Even in Metal Hammer. I mean, were what they? Kind of de- were what kind they? Of, well, I mean, it got mentioned on the podcast, and I think there well, might have been true. chat. Yeah. Uh, there might have been chat about do they cover them in the mag or blah, 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 blah. And it's like. What kind of weird decade did we just exit from, mate? Mm, the yeah. early tens were fucking weird on reflection. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could have been a real thing that happened and blew up big. Yeah, um, thank fuck it. Dude. But actually, uh, it may be due to the stories that surfaced around the time of the band and their Warped Tour appearance in 2012 that paid put paid to that. Um, when... I became aware of some fairly grim shit um, that was being linked with Davy Vanity, which continues to be linked to him to this very day. Um, I have a mate who is a photographer and he was asked by the band to go and take photographs of them when they played, I believe it was a slam dunk or a warp tour. I think it was the warp tour Ali Pali. Um, that he was asked to go and photograph them for the day. And he came back from that gig regaling me with some very, very disturbing information, which even today I think would be considered libelous. Mm. And so I can't tell you what that information is. But if you ever meet me in person, 
I will tell you that story and I'll tell you one about one minute silence as well, if you like. But the mud, uh, I think in this case, very rightly stuck to the band. Uh, They were removed from Spotify and Google Play in 2019. Not quite sure why it took them that long to do it on the basis of whatever, uh, if they were going to do it. From the merch site, Big Cartel in 2018. Ditto, not sure why it took them that long. And the ultimate humiliation, Rimfree. In 2014, they were removed from a Combi Christ tour imagine being thought you're not allowed to tour with combi christ um (laughs) but all that was the future in the present that we were talking about this release was their sixth studio album uh in 2013 off of the back of some allegations and some pretty sizable rumors that they were going to break up as well Mm. which you would think would probably be why that happened um there's not a lot of critical uh, writing or reviews or uh, unless they've been taken down. I feel I like some of them probably have been taken mm, down. I, but from <clears throat> what we've found, there's not much, even in the way of uh, like bad review for this record at all, um, Sputnik Music gave it 3.5 out of 5, saying, while previous releases all revolved around crass sexual gimmicks and all the pseudo-creative ways to talk about how they would go about said carnal adventures, Bad bad Blood overall tones it down to a lower dosage. While there are still some sexual themes littered throughout certain tracks, the album more often relies on oddly fitting religious imagery that can be unexpectedly poignant, especially... (laughs) especially for a band i don't know especially for a band whose entire career was almost entirely carved off a vapid surface level lyricism all music has given it a 2.5 out of 5 saying rounding uh rounding out the album are more outward looking moments like the vampire electronic love ballad always and forever plus the pissed off political commentary of behemoth where the line, are we too bo- broke to pay attention, floats like a real revel- rev- revelatory talking point, bobbing in a sea of hot topics from the mall. And ripped pantyhose punditry that borrows from Churchill, this tyranny ruled by fear, drowning in irony, that's the line. All that said, it's the insider stuff that will give, um, uh, I don't know what, SGTC, set their will give the sgtc set their biggest thrill and with so much of it surrounded by the usual tween angst mama mana haters um uh, bad blood is better than before or at least bolder and there aren't really any proper reviews that aren't kind of customers or fan sites sticking up for them um there's one review on rateyourmusic.com from opus 84 uh, from 2018. Sorry, it says, mate, unlike- just to just to interrupt you, the SGTC is basically the crew for fans of the band Blood on the Dance Floor. It stands for Slash Gash Terror Crew. Gives you an idea of what a bunch of fucking cunts these pricks are. Uh, yeah, so we're all learning something today. Mm-hmm. Um, Opus 84 in 2018 reviewed it, saying, unlike their earlier stuff, this is actually listenable. Um, uh, is it actually oh. actually actually unlistenable oh. at least back in the day it was funny but this this has nothing here it's edgy that's all um i'd love to know when s- this is funny i mean what an embarrassing fucking thing to say to say that something like this was ever funny 
had a should be fucking that. ashamed of yourself, whoever wrote that. I mean, so again, really, you kind of look at the lack of uh, critical mauling, which would be one of the reasons why these albums get into broken records. Let's not mm. forget, right? I think it's definitely worth saying Renfrey and I have not decided what records to pick that we hate to go in here. We have compiled a list from people that we asked on Twitter uh, and our social channels and just, a, you know, Metacritic, um, various lists from over the years from different magazines. Aggregate have, sites, yeah. Aggregate yeah. sites, yeah. Like, you know, Q's list of the worst albums yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, the kind of infamous records. Yeah. We have compiled this list through that. And this album came up. Why is it here? Um, and I guess it must be the controversy. I mean, we'll have to talk about that in a minute. I think it's worth, like, just musically alone for a second. Uh, it, it's fucking rubbish. Terrible. It's it's terrible, right? This is a rub. You know, this is a rubbish record. Mm. Um, the first song uh, on the song Unchained, it says, "I'm on top of the food chain and I'm on the hunt for some poontang." Uh, actually, I was listening on YouTube and I was looking at the the comments, and somebody said, "I love how much you can connect to ev- connect to every single one of their songs. It makes me feel amazing to scream out my emotions with the music." Thanks, Blood on the Dance Floor. I love you. Um, I mean, if your emotions need to be screamed out, I'm on top of the food chain and I'm on the hunt for some poontang. Uh, what kind of life are you leading? I can do worse than that from exactly the same song. You've tried to say you're sorry for the things you've done. Try to play me like a fool, but I know I am not one. Try to entrap me with your lies and accusations. Fuck you, bitch. I'm the freak of the nation. Here's a bag of dicks. No one gives a shit. Go and run your mouth off. Take a knife to your clit. If you're talking garbage, making me my name tarnished, put my rep in bondage. Rip it up like carnage. Um... Wow. I mean, given the things that have, given the 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 sheer amount of allegations that have come out about this guy, um, have you mentioned that there's an FBI investigation into him I at the moment? I was going to save that as the the kind of the 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 good news at the end. Yes. Okay. Okay. But yes. But 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 I just just to just to bring that up now that like you know lies and accusations. Mm, well, there's an awful lot of shit around you. Uh, uh, that so you know and there's no smoke without fire and uh i mean i don't know if if there are people who are falsely accused of stuff all the time we've talked about stuff with like trent Reznor and mona james keenan and so on and so forth when you get multiple allegations again and again and again and again that you really start having to go okay something ain't right here like very 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 clearly something ain't right here there's there's there is a big difference we talked a lot in the past about how there isn't much nuance or subtlety on the internet but this this is a case where it's like i'm prepared to sit down and go yeah this guy is a fucking wrong and yeah i mean i i mean i don't usually and i hope i never have to resort to kind of I, I think the whole thing about Twitter and the internet and, you know, the kind of tittle-tattle that exists on there. And, I'm, I'm you know, I'm sorry if people find that that offensive an idea that I would call that shit tittle-tattle, but I'm afraid, you know, a, a lot of it is, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of it is. But like I say, I have a friend who I've known for 15 years who spent 
a day with this guy and came back going, I wouldn't let my, if I had a daughter, I wouldn't let my, my daughter within 20 miles of this guy. Hmm. And he regaled enough stuff back to me and had no reason to do that. You know, this was not whilst these sort of things were happening. He just came back and went, fucking hell, I've seen somebody today who I just think is horrible. And that for me is like, okay, well, he's, he's not going to make that up. And it was too real sounding for me to be like, I, I was just like, well, there's no reason why he'd just come back and go, oh, I think I'm going to fuck over this band who, um, yeah. or tell me about it. like what, you know, and what was I going to do? There's nothing I could do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I kind of feel... told me and he was like, I feel so, so I mean, <laughs> for every intent and purpose, like, these bang to fucking rights yeah and and i think that sort of tittle-tattle thing that you're talking about on the internet i mean fingers are pointed and accusations are made all the time these days and there's always a large kind of there's always a large contingent calling out for um many 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 people to be uh chastised out of society who in some cases probably don't deserve that but in this particular case uh this I think that ire and that and that chastisement should be reserved for characters like Davy, whatever the fuck his name is, Davy Vanity, not his real mm. name. Um, it should be reserved for for the the real fucking evil cunts of the of the of the world, rather than you know someone who did something. Went to Eton. I mean, musically, sorry, we should... <laughs> yeah, sorry, we should talk Just about to get it, past the album. I mean, it, it's rubbish. It's rubbish pop music with crap white boy rapping over the top of it yes. and some truly shite saccharine chorus, and it's awful. I mean, I don't have much more to say about it than that. It's tacky nonsense. There's a song it called Fake is the New Trend, which is pretty much every horrible cliche in music rammed into four minutes. It's got cheerleader chants, this kind of never-ending story electro bit really terrible lyrics about how they're not fakes delivered in this kind of flowless monotone rap uh a breakdown with an old 90s two-step rave beat that speeds everything up and it's kind of incredible they managed to take the worst of so many genres in one song but at least it's catchy i mean the slow ones here are just they actually made me feel quite angry um I was going to say, like, not too long ago, you said that uh, Inglewood was the worst pop song made in the last decade. Are you going to apologise to Fever 333 after listening to this record? <laughs> yes, absolutely I am, yeah. Because, <laughs> um, uh, well, there's, uh, I mean, uh, Divided We Fall, for example, and Always and Forever are just two of the most insipid pieces of shit d- I've ever heard Divided We life. Fall sounds like something the Lonely Island would reject for yeah. being too ridiculous. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, there's a song called Damaged. Uh, which is just self-pitying wank and the choruses. I fucked it up again. I opened the wound. I killed our true love. I mean, shut up and take that fucking eight bit blippy bollocks with you. (laughs) And there's a song on it called crucified by your lies. Now this is where it gets really weird. He's like, just like Jesus Christ, I will pay, pray for your salvation. And so he's comparing himself to Jesus. But then in the same song, he goes, you better get your fucking facts straight just like Jesus did on the cross. Remember on the cross? Yeah, yeah. When Jesus was on the cross and he was like, you fucking cunts, let me down. Whoa, I haven't done anything. Yeah, yeah, just just like Jesus would have done. But it, I just, mean, go, it just goes to show how much thought is actually put into these lyrics. I mean, absolutely fuck all. Absolutely none. I don't mm. think he, I don't think he, I don't think 
someone who can write a line about like putting a knife to someone's clitoris can actually honestly be thinking about what they're writing in any kind of depth. It's desperately trying to be provocative. And because of the desperation that you're using to be provocative, it just comes across as desperate and mm -hmm. and disgusting and perverted and weird. And I mean, this is what happens when you when people put artists on a pedestal. I, I actually I take a not even artists when people put someone on a pedestal who has absolutely no fucking talent whatsoever and they think that they can get away with this sort of shit and the, and unfortunately there were a lot of publications who were letting them get away we get really fucking pissed off about the rock sounds i mean we said it last week but we get pissed off about the rock sounds and so on and so forth of this world because back around that time they were talking about these bands and they were saying that um you know you should listen to this or that or whatever and this is a new exciting scene crunk core and it's just again it's just embarrassing and we bring them up now to make it very fucking clear what an absolute fucking waste of space they are some people might argue why are you even talking them about about them at all well if you dust things under the carpet and don't talk about them i think in a way that could be even worse you have to acknowledge that there are nasty people out there and there are bad people out there and this is the sort of thing that they do otherwise um they get away with it far more silently but the fact that that was not happening anywhere near enough as it should have been many many i mean years and years and years ago this should have been happening and uh mm. I, I you just don't see it you don't see people going this is fucking abhorrent well, it, I mean, I think if they got brought up now, you probably would do. Oh, but, you probably I mean, would now. But but yeah. I think instead people have chosen to take stuff down rather mm. than rather than and, and pretend it didn't exist. And I think that's as dangerous, if not more dangerous in, in, in a weird way. Um, pretending pretending that, that stuff this stuff doesn't exist and trying to swipe it under the carpet. I think you actually have to confront it and go and 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 very, very um vocally say no this is not acceptable um, yeah rather than Which pretending I it never existed mm. i mean <laughs> going back to the album just quickly like i mean it, most of it, it ends with all the slow shit the sort of self-pitying nonsense it's 54 minutes long i mean actually the last song revenge will have its day is the best song on the album too. It's not saying much, but it's got this kind of 80s synth thing, which is sort of fairly tastefully done musically. Although again, the lyrics are just like, eh. but like you say, it's everything that surrounds this album and this band that makes it so much more dislikable. I mean, I'm actually before we get into before, the super gone. So before you jump into that, I'm actually going to confess that I, for the first time, didn't get the whole way through a broken record. Not strictly because the music was so awful. I mean, to give uh, the Broken Side record in a musical sense is actually worse than this, if if we're being totally mm -hmm. honest, because at least this has a couple of vaguely interesting ideas and emphasis on vaguely. Um, but I started reading all the sort of accusation stuff, which we're going to get into, unfortunately, in a moment. Um, and it just made me feel so fucking sick that I just went, I don't want to go. I don't want to fucking listen to this. I'm not going to yeah. do it. I mean... There's the look for the start, which is something we haven't talked about yet. I mean, I think the fact that they look like these kind of cosplay Marilyn Manson manga fucks and sounded how they did was sort of shocking, still shocking to the rock community. That kind of scene thing um, 
people probably still expected them to be like, you know, black metal or industrial or something like that. And the whole scene look, I guess, was taken to the most kind of revolting excesses when you look at them. Um, it's kind of basically weird that we're used to this now, isn't it? It's like, this is what yeah. rappers look like now. Yeah. Rappers look like this now. You go, oh yeah, you know, that's what rappers look like. They look like fucking mental people. I think it's which weird used to be the sort of, Come on. you know, the, the, what, what rock, you know, new metal. It's all from new metal really, isn't it? I think it's weird and disturbing that people are taking that as an influence when you consider like, what has happened I, I almost think this is why it should be talked about you know like the, the, like i mean but really i'm pretty sure why it's in here is or why it was been it got flagged up so much is the horrible sexual assault claims like they are they are the problem here it is the remorselessness that you would uh like you say, I'm going, you, you don't, you know, uh, what better way to make myself look innocent of the sexual assault claims that I'm being accused of than say I'm going to cut someone's clitoris off. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I just, uh, they kind of, like, I thought they disappeared pretty fucking quickly after this, but apparently, I mean, they released another million songs. They um, have and thirteen then they split up. albums. Yeah, they have thirteen albums, which they released over eleven years. I mean, that that just goes to show how defunct this is of any kind of creativity whatsoever. I'm sure. I'm sure that the the Davy Vanity would argue that he's just you know an incredibly prolific, incredible songwriter. But no, it's because the the, the music that's on these albums are the sort of thing that you can paste together in garage band in about two hours probably yeah. um it's just moronic I mean, bullshit it's fucking shit i was gonna i was gonna say then he split up last year but by this point he was the only member of the band left which should tell you quite a lot he now goes by the name of kawaii monster yeah so he's just sort of given up the ghost he hasn't really split up i think it's probably a good idea for him to have changed his name you know he's trying to reinvent himself he's trying to get away from these allegations that continue to follow him around but Which is another is, reason why it's important to bring him up to and explain flag him up yes yeah. he is currently being investigated by the fbi mm -hmm. and tv journalist chris hansen has said he has interviewed multiple people that have claimed to have either been attacked or raped by davy vanity aka kawaii monster so and he's making a documentary isn't he? and he's about making that. a documentary about him at the moment to kind yeah. of uh to show that so I mean, it's a pretty, let's hope that, you know, this guy is, gets some sort of comeuppance for whatever he has done. Again, we don't really know exactly what it is that he's exactly done. I feel like I know a little bit of stuff <laughs> and I really don't like it. Um, it's a pretty horrible end to a pretty horrible story where for once as bad as the music is the music is sort of taking a little bit of a backseat although yeah. we sort of shouldn't really let that happen because mm. uncle cracker uh we reviewed mm. his album he was number one for a long time he beat up a woman in the you know the aftermath of that record coming out mm -hmm. um people's moral um compasses and and what they th i mean there will be people who listen to us probably that may go well, D.D. King was a junkie. Mm. 
You know, that's morally reprehensible to be using illegal drugs to the point where you're decimating your body. You're um, only hurting yourself, you're not hurting other people. We've spoke, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you know, this is not me saying that. Rem- no, 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 I'm, no, no. Well, I'm, I'm, the, telling, I'm telling those people why they're wrong. <laughs> yes, fair enough. Um, you could look at, you know, so there, I know there are people in the, in the hat, like um, the Bloodhound Gang, who have been arrested mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. desecrating the, the Russian flag, mm-hmm. uh, which people, there are people who would think that's absolutely revolting. I mean, there are, there's Queen and Paul Rogers in here. I mean, obviously it was not Freddie Mercury, but Freddie Mercury was a homosexual. And if you are somebody who believes in the Bible, you might think that that is morally reprehensible. I mean, again, fucking hell like if you do think that then dudes what the fuck is wrong with you but but those people exist um and so i think you know we had this conversation before before we started recording because you did feel really really uncomfortable about talking about this guy yeah i did um it's a it's a it is a really really weird one um in a sense we're giving in a sense, we are giving a platform and we we have got to the size now with this show, you know, thanks to you absolutely wonderful, lovely listeners who are very, very appreciative for where we do. We do really have to consider this sort of thing. You know, we do really want we do really have to talk about like, do we actually want to talk about these people? And from the from the 20, 30 minute conversation that we had before we even started recording today, um, I realized that actually it is important to 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 bring these kind of um monsters up because whilst it's not comfortable and whilst i whilst no one enjoys talking about it um if you do brush them under the carpet and pretend they don't exist and try to um just make them go away that means that they either continue to get away with what they're getting away with or other people come up in their place and i think it is important to at least when it's some, when it's someone when it's something like this when it's something as heinous and awful as this i mean you you know you can find there's a huffington post article um which is titled davy vanity raped a child police gave him a warning now 21 women accuse him of sexual assault if you really want to read it up you can look at that and it goes into quite horrendous detail if you know and I would totally understand why one wouldn't want to. But um, I do actually think it's important to acknowledge that these things exist and to shout about it and go, this is not acceptable. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, people will continue to do it. You know, people will continue to get away with this kind of shit. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very difficult issue. It's certainly not a black and white thing. I'd kind of understand uh, if people did have a, you know, if people did sort of say to us, you know, should you even be talking about them at all? Uh, let me just let me just address that straight away. Where, I mean, I think I've kind of already made my point. Where do you cut that off? Yeah, basically, yeah. where does where does that cut off point happen? I mean, I think the reason we're talking about it as much as anything because it is, you know, about the album. Blood on the dance floor and Davy Vanity decided to address these concerns about what these allegations were in this record. It's Mm. part of the context of that record. It exists as part of the record. It was happening at the time. You could say to me, well, you know, they, they searched Gene Simmons house 
for child pornography mm. uh, and you review Kiss. And it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, the Kiss album <laughs> doesn't mention that. Like Destroyer mm. has got nothing to do with that contextually, right? Mm. You can say, like, I don't want to listen to Kiss anymore because, but, you know, I mean, for me, I think that's, you know, like, I don't know where you cut that shit off. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. You have to be like, you have to start from a place of non-bias. You have to start from uh, a place of objectivity. And I think that is where I started with this review. Um, It was very hard to start there because I already had personal previous information that, that was that super clouded how I felt about this dude. Mm. Um, But I do think I did sort of say to myself, well, you know, there would be people listening who say you shouldn't cover Lou Reed because he was a heroin addict. Mm. We're, we're meant to be judges. Um, You you know, you're meant to start from an objective place and as difficult as it is to do that with a band like blood and the dance floor, you have to, I'm sorry, you just have to try. And I think that's what makes uh you are more kind of evolved person personally mind you maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong despite all that still a fucking dreadful record whether fucking whether, shit record whether shit record. yeah whether whether the guy is an absolutely fucking horrible pedophilic piece of shit or not it's still fucking awful oh, it's fucking awful it's rubbish i think it's slightly better than i mean i'm i would put it fourth i think uncle cracker methods of mayhem and broken side have you know, I even Towers of London. And I think with the kind of added context, it's pretty disgusting. That I didn't know about that line about cutting somebody's clitoris off. That's made me think that maybe it should be second. I mean, what a day for fucking Crunkcore if they they occupy spaces one and two. Surely the worst genre of music in history. Yeah. Um We sort of discussed this before, but like he seems like such a fucking whore for fame i almost feel like he would be proud to be number two i almost feel like he'd be proud to be on this league table like i mean the fact that he is willing to even uh address these accusations which look like they're probably true you know from a lot of the uh, you know there's so much stuff around it now looks quite likely um it just sort of suggests to me that he just wants attention. He doesn't give a fuck if it's good or bad, which kind of makes me want to hide him away around four. Three yeah, or four. I mean, totally speaking, musically, I think I I I think Towers I think Towers of London is better than it. I think Methods of Mayhem, Uncle Cracker, and Broken Side are worse. I would probably just put, put this fourth. Let's put him fourth. Okay. There you go. Blood on the dance floor. Um, let us never speak about this band ever again. Ever again. Um, what a shame that we've had to... What was supposed to be a kind of fun little feature where we go, some music that you think is bad is not actually that bad. And then some you find that you think that's actually fucking worse. Let's mm-hmm. hope. I pray to God we mm-hmm. don't pick fucking... If, we pick, if I pick a tiller out now... Um, <laughs> oh, thank fucking God for that. It's something... <laughs> thank fucking god um i've never listened to this before but i hear it is quite the ride renfrey quite the trip um angelic to the core by Corey feldman oh okay next week <laughs> okay so thank god which feels like coming up for 
oh, coming up for air <laughs> after like just just a really really horrible horrible run of records um i'm sure we can find something to at least giggle about with Corey feldman oh good yeah yeah absolutely and we can uh, a good excuse to rewatch stand by me as well yes please uh, uh, and i actually watched uh, lost boys the other day it was really good i still need to Easy watch enough. it you know still need to watch you it. idiot you idiot it was on telly the other day you and my girl she never watched it before and she watched she was like this is brilliant why have i never watched this before I was like, I don't know, you because you're fool, you and Renfrew are fools. <laughs> anyway, uh, next week, Corey Feldman, Angelic to the Core, will be going into Broken Records, and we're going to be reviewing the new album from Blocks and Oceans of Slumber. Mm. So that will be good. Um, mm. All right. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Uh, sorry it's been a fucking slog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but we'll see you next week. We'll be back. It'll be fun again next week. Go and blast power trip. See you later.